When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. Time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you? Uh, good, Andy. Back from a short hiatus, apparently. Haven't done this in a few weeks, so uh, happy to fire up the wheel again. Everyone's fine. I just like to tease the listeners, make them wait. And they remember just how much they can't... They can't yeah. wait for this podcast. Our good friend Sean McAuliffe was giving me shit about not having one available. So uh, here's to you, Sean, as I flip the bird. There you go. Enjoy. If I knew it bothered him that much, I, I we wouldn't have done one this week. <laughs> hey, you see what they're celebrating uh, downtown tonight over at the intersection of Kinsey and Wabash and River North, Chicago? The site of a certain restaurant oh yeah well, i don't know what are they hanging out at harry carries i don't know why it's this is the date but apparently now it's been a tradition since harry died in 98 where uh, the weaselly ceo of harry carry restaurants whatever it is grant deporter who's yeah. like seems to have been around forever blowing up a baseball again no but i heard a discussion about that on the score today uh but there is this to- they've managed to make it sort of a thing so i guess it would even though it's a cheesy uh dumb shit thing and half the people that you know celebrate here you don't really know that much about them kind of what we try to do here perhaps to dispel all that but uh uh and not that we need a, a reason to drink or have a toast but uh i'll just offer one up uh to harry harry carabina well, when I heard the lineup, I really wanted to go because uh, Ryan Dempster was going to be there doing his Harry yeah. Carey impression, yes. and uh, Danny Danny Bonerchu Parkins was going to be there. Yep, showing off his vasectomy scar. Um, sounded like a good time. That's what I was listening to this afternoon, and Dempster. Of course, I, I suffered through the interview. You know, I think you know it's pretty clear how I feel about Ryan Dempster, and we've discussed how you know, how he's doing a third, like a third iteration hack iteration of a late stage broadcaster that just really doesn't do him justice. And it's actually somewhat uh, insensitive and, and dumb counterintuitive for the Cubs to seem to, just, you know, honor him by celebrating yeah, this sort of it's dementia riddled that, that the Ricketts and Marquis are just complete shitbags that they let, that they encourage Ryan Dempster 
to do a insulting, terrible impression. It's not even good. It's not even a well-executed what? insulting yeah. impression of, of a guy Ferrell. that they, they apparently revere so much that they have a creepy statue of him outside the ballpark. Correct. Yeah, soaring above a sea of tortured souls. Um, it's all, I mean, honestly, if you if you just came in and you saw the the creepy statue and then heard them, you know, basically make Harry out to be a drunken buffoon, right? You wouldn't necessarily go, "Oh, they're really honoring this." Guy. No, that would be a charm to fend off evil spirit, basically to say, "Stay, you know, this this is what could happen. You know, you should be horrified from this. You know, let, let this be a warning to you." That it does seem to be. Uh, how it projects. And, and just to clarify, it's not even a bad Harry Carey impression. It's a bad Will Ferrell impression of a bad Harry Carey impression. And I only say that because we've discussed it before. It's not, you know, maybe the early Harry Carey is not subject to caricature. It's got to be the bumbling, drunken, late stage guy. But I was listening to Parkinson Spiegel today when they had Dempster on live from Harry Carey's and they played a clip uh, in one of the bumpers coming out of a commercial of the Will Ferrell one. And you know what? Just listening to it. It's a shitty impression. I love Will Ferrell. All right. He's a, he's a, he's an icon. He's done so many memorable roles and it's, this is separate from my feelings about, you know, accuracy or, you know, devotion to, you know, the accuracy or how, how you portray Harry, but it's like, he's dropping Like he's, it's almost like he's got a Southern accent at certain points. It's like not even that good of an audio audible impression. And I know it's a physical shtick because he's, you know, Harry did have a very caricature like presentation, especially at the end of his life with the giant glasses and the wild hair. The whole thing though, is not that spot on of an impression to begin with. Dempster does another generation's worse. So it's just shitty and more disrespectful. And like you say, this, you know, the ownership just, they, they, they cater to it and they pander to it. And it's just mystifying. Like everything associated with Ryan Dempster's uh, success and survival in Chicago. Yeah, he's awful. At least we haven't, we have yet to have him on a broadcast. So that's good. Sure, <laughs> no, we haven't covered 2004 and 2008, but um, they're two. They're two of the twelve segue. Two of the twelve seasons. No, sorry, not that segue. We have twelve left, and those are two of them. It's a it's a big day for Danny Parkins. Today is the NFL schedule release day, and he has a source who leaks the Bears' schedule to him just hours before it comes out. And I don't know why we're supposed to give a shit. Well, didn't it get scooped? I thought it got scooped this year. No, maybe I misheard that. Did it? I did hear that. It's yeah. stupid. It's, I mean, the teams have known for weeks. I mean, to the point where they all do their little social media videos and get those ready for the release. And yes. even if we already know who they're playing and we know, we even know Correct. if they're home or away by now, it's literally just what order are they playing the games in? Correct. And they're acting like, oh my God, this is like, this, he's Woodward and Bernstein digging this shit up. Right. Like, Who's his deep nobody throat? Cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, who would it be? Yeah, wait, you're right. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because that's not what we're doing. We should we, we could do a media segment, local media. We have very hot takes on for better or worse. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I did see, though, that the Bears are starting the season uh, in prime time against the Niners. So and I, that's all I looked at, you know. You know, and by the way, plug, we do our own football version of this, which is a slightly different tableau. But I'm, I'm looking forward to this season because we've done the Bears uh, remember this crap for two seasons and we'll go through each team that they play and sometimes do reruns or skip a week if they've already done it. But there'll be three fresh teams all from the NFC East this year. So um, we've never talked about the Cowboys and the Eagles. And actually, we've talked plenty about all those teams and especially the Redskins, but have devoted 
So tune in, folks, if you, uh, if you enjoy our Bears uh, podcast. Are we going to have to refer Marcus to them as the Cubs. Commanders? Did I say in, Redskins? In, right. In retrospect. Right. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean, they were the Redskins when the Bears played them all those times. Correct. In fact, they've yet to play them as – and they've never – have they played them as the Washington football team? I don't think so. They've played them as the Boston and Washington Redskins, but never any other – I don't other, think so. Any other the one. year before, we didn't remember this crap. They they went to D.C. on a – On a Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah, that was the, the Matt Nagy's playoff team, correct? Yeah, good times. All right, well, it's time to spin the wheel and see which Cub team we are uh, going to discuss today. Only 12 left. Yeah, there are... Uh... They're kind of spread out, too. Like, you know, it could fall in any number of eras still, even though there's few left. We, we finally oh. caught up with the 80s. There was a very... We did 81 uh, last time, right? Yeah, there had been a very unbalanced, uh, very disproportionate amount of 90s, so we got the 90s out of the way, and now we've pretty much gotten a lot of the 80s. And right. there it spins. Didn't mean to spin it so fast, but here we go. Oh, we're going to get a playoff team. Yes, sir. Kosuke Fukudome and the 2008 uh, Chicago Cubs. And I actually talked about, I made a little reference to this in the most recent baseball podcast with Dave Brown. Um, I compared the uh, both the Cubs and the White Sox panic acquiring Nick Madrigal to something that happened after the Cubs got swept by the Dodgers. Correct. I just listened to that today, and we'll no spoilers, but yeah. you're you know you're spot on. It's interesting. It's an interesting period. Uh, Overcorrecting is never never a good thing. No. Right. All right. So five quick facts about the 2008 Chicago Cubs. Well. You mentioned Kosuke, so let's just say, uh, oddly enough, there's competition for this, but one of the most memorable uh, debuts on opening day occurred uh, on, 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 uh, at Wrigley Field in 2008. We'll circle back, but uh, it does involve the newly acquired Kosuke Fukudome. Um, 2008, the Cubs won more games uh, at any other point in our lifetimes up until that point, exceeding the 84 Cubs. So, um Positive season, of course. <clears throat> 2008, opening day starter remained Carlos Zambrano, who pretty much, I mean, outside of probably anybody, may have started more than any other, but was overtaken uh, in his performance that year by the aforementioned Ryan Dempster, who had his best individual season as a starter for sure and probably as a Cub, uh, and then proceeded to uh, let it all piss down his leg, which will give the proper treatment. 2008, uh, Cubs made a savvy move in acquiring um, five-inning pitcher Rich Harden and dumpster diving Chad Godin. Yep. Things, well, can't things wait till well. we get to that story. That, yeah. that should be fun. Uh, and what else can we say about the 2008 Cubs? Just It was a playoff team, and uh, – they trailed in the entire playoff series for the final, or they they, they never had a lead for the, I'm going to just guess it. We can fact check this, but I'm going to say for the final uh, 23 innings, they did not have a lead. They did have a brief lead. And then uh, needless to say, <clears throat> um, they did not advance, but it was a playoff team. So Mark a lot of home run, right? Correct. Two run homer. So a lot of ups and downs. So let's see what else we can uncover. It's a positive season. It was fun. Uh, but like a lot of seasons, uh, well, for every team, I guess, that are fun. There can only be one at the end that wins it all. But ultimately disappointing, and but really sort of particularly dispiritingly so in this instance, to the point, to the point where when I apologize myself 
about being out of my depth when we because we in you know we include the years going all the way through 2011 that the years 2009 10 11 are an absolute weak spot for me i can still dig some things up out of my head but uh i kind of died after 2008 at that point in my life um after that playoff series uh something kind of died within me that pretty much stayed dormant until the day that theo abstein was hired so um that's your 2008 cubs and is uh, Jed Hoyer actively trying to kill whatever that is again? Well, now we're just back to the '80s. Like, all right, now this is a pattern I can I can recognize. We've won the World Series. Like, you know, it's frustrating because this is pre-World Series, obviously, right? So, um, a lot of aches. Only five years from 2003, which you know was so tantalizingly close, which we devoted an entire night's worth um, breaking down and, and giving it its proper place. Uh, it just never even came close to, you know, once they got to the playoffs. So it's just, and they didn't even win the opener that day. That's the funny thing. The, you know, I made a sly reference to Kosuke's debut that it is awesome as it appeared was, it cannot automatically just, you cannot automatically say that's the greatest debut uh, on opening day. Because of course, uh, in 1994, a season that we had covered, uh, Tuffy Rhodes pre- had probably a more impressive debut, I would say, because three homers off of Doc Gooden, uh, while not as dramatic as a game tying three run homer off of Eric Gagne um, is still probably more impressive. But in both instances, of course, and this will shock nobody, uh, the Cubs lost both games. This was post-steroid Eric Kanye, right? Right. Yeah. So not, yeah not I was going to inject a reference to that. Not uh, quite as impressive as coked up Dwight Gooden. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, to be fair, it's a little disingenuous to, for me, to be honest. To, I'll own this, to say that Tuffy Rhodes hit three homers off of uh, Doc Gooden. In 94, Doc Gooden was a bit of a shell. Of course, it had been eight years, so it's not like it was just the blow. I mean, he was a lot older. I think when you're living in the moment, sometimes it goes a little bit quicker than than it, than it seems. And next thing you know, the guys that you root for are old. But in either case, definitely in the team photo for most memorable performances on opening day in history. Now, this was a Cub team that I think the reason they were so good is they got a the, they got a career season. Out of their backup catcher. Hank? Yes. Henry Blanco, who I'm going to do something quick here. Let's see. Okay. Viva viva la Hank Blanco. Who coming into this season um, was a career 223 hitter. That actually had come up. He, he really raised his career batting average. No, I th- I know where you're going with this, but I didn't Hank uh, originally joined the Cubs in 2004 or five. five. And at that point when he did, he had the, you're the one that yeah, he, taught um, me this. He had the lowest batting average amongst all major league uh, players um, that qualified when he was, joined the Cubs. It was very bad. I didn't realize he, uh, he was a 216 career batter when the Cubs picked him up in 2005. He had already raised his career batting average nine points. And then in 2008, Henry Blanco hit 292 Damn. with a 325 on base and a 392 slug. If he did that this year, David Ross would play him in center field every day. <laughs> I like that. Um... You know, our, our your, your tongue-in-cheek uh, reverence of Hank really seemed to pay off. He, he on net very Tongue, much a positive player for the Cubs. 
I'm sorry. Did I? I didn't I mean to. I don't know what you're talking about. Show any reveals, right? No, but he he really, you know, it worked. Because you know, it's not like you you glorify backup catchers, but you will also come down very, very, very hard on backup catchers. So, well, I mean, hi, Gabor Baco. Gabor and Gabor and Baco, there's, worst backup catcher in baseball. History. Unless he's the only one, I don't know. I don't know if we've mined anyone else through these podcasts uh, through the years. If anyone else has come up, I mean, I think for a lot of reasons, comedic, ironic, whatever, catchers, backup catchers, they yeah, can be fun to glorify. Um, and Hank got, and Hank delivered though probably the all time greatest backup catcher. I don't know. Frank Nova might have a word or so to say, but I don't know. I'll, I'll put my money on Hank. Um, they also got uh, only ten games out of Coy Dolan Hill. Mm. He had a robust 095 in those ten. But as we discovered before, this is the year after Coy had a huge clutch game tying two out hit in the ninth yeah. inning in the crazy Rockies game where the Cub fan got his ass beat for trying to attack Bob Howery. But Coy would be on the Cubs as we discovered as late as uh, 2009, yeah, I he believe. Never, he never went away. He, uh, yeah, which still, is kind of uh, cool. He might still be on the right. 2011. Jesus Christ. All the way to the end. It was a bad okay. penny. He just kept coming back up. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Tim Federovitz. Well, and if the one catcher you don't mention, you haven't mentioned so far, of course, is the is the 2008 Rookie of the Year. The Rookie of the Year, Giovanni Soto. This is is this the year he had the uh, the Grand Slam and the ridiculous comeback, or was that uh, against the Rockies? Was yeah. that in May? Uh, could have been. Um, I was thinking about this earlier today, how crazy it is that for a team like the Rockies that is not in the Cubs division and has only been around since 1993 have been involved in some of the craziest regular season Cubs games uh, or games with the Cubs. Um, Because that's one, the day game at Wrigley where they came back. I just talked about the other one with Coy Dolan Hill got the big hit. Um, And then there's the Chris Bryant turning the whole, you know, movement around in 2015. And his, just penance, his penance is now he has to go play for the Rockies for the next eight years. <laughs> right. Oh, we're going to pay him what, $200 well, right. or whatever. And what do we care anyway? We we got a World Series at the end of that spark. Well, I so. care. He's on my fantasy team, and you'll be shocked to know on the disabled, on the injured list once again. Damn. But, uh, the G- Giovanni Soto, I mean, I knew he had a good year. This is a, this is a really good year. 285, 364 on base, 504 slug, 23 home, Damn. 86 RBIs. Damn, our 869 OPS with 90 RBIs for our, our, a catcher who had already hit a three-run homer in the previous year's playoffs, like like Todd Worrell in 86. He played in the playoffs the previous year but still qualified as a rookie. So, I mean, how – I don't remember being – we obviously must have been super high on Soto with that type of performance. Uh, he yeah. did seem to fade awfully fast, though. Obviously, he. Uh... I mean, how did that happen? That's kind of an odd thing. I've never really, honestly, given a whole lot of thought. I, well, he got... in some cases it happens a lot to get fat. He got fat, and he liked the. Uh... He liked to smoke the doobie. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. He got. I don't know about busted in Texas for it, right? Oh, okay. You know, I don't know about Jerome Walton's uh, potential preference for for cannabis, but I I do remember Jerome Walton also a little chubby after his rookie of the year. So, yeah, all, little, among regulars, kind of a tale as old as time. A midseason acquisition actually had the highest OPS on the team. We'll get to him in a second. Um, it's not coming to me. Among oh, it will. 
Okay. Um, among regulars, only Aramis Ramirez, at an eight ninety eight, had a higher OPS than Giovanni. Sarver. So, all right. So for a ninety what ninety seven Seven. team, I believe. Yep. Not like that's interesting. The um, Cubs were. How about this? They were. They finished first in the National League in runs, second in hits, first in doubles, first in walks. The Cubs. First and on base, first in slugging, first in OPS. They won the the slash triple crown in the National League. First in total bases. And then they they really lit it up offensively in the playoffs. My brother claims, and I don't and you know, he I'll give him some credit for this. He doesn't follow baseball as closely as, as I do, but he has followed it through the years pretty closely, especially at high moments. He swears that the Cubs were kind of um being written off going into the playoffs in spite of how awesome the what you just rattled off, the fact they had 97 wins, that somehow, I don't know if we can corroborate this, that they were being doubted going into the playoffs. And, of course, in perfect public fashion, they validated those doubts. I don't know. I don't remember that. Right. Because I feel like while they won 97 fucking games and they were in first place uh, all of the season, but I don't know, uh, maybe some writers saw something we didn't, I, they, I mean, the fact that they had so much offensive production and yet Aramis was only their only player that what had an over 900 OPS would indicate you would think that that means they had like really good performances above average out of everybody. And, but then I'm like, but wasn't Ryan Terrio their shortstop? Yeah. There's he no was fucking the way. Only, him and Koske were their only regulars who had OPSs, OPS pluses below 100. Okay. Um, Soto 119, Lee 109, DeRosa 117, Ramirez 127, Soriano 120. Uh, and then even Mike Fontenot off the bench 131. Michael Hoffpower 136. That was all September. He had a grand slam against the Mets in September. Um, so they finished second in the National League in hits, and, or yeah, in hits, and they were first in fewest hits allowed for their pitching staff. They also led the league in strikeouts. Yeah, they were good. They it just didn't translate. I, I think one thing that uh, possibly had people a little down on the Cubs going into the playoffs was they um, were a they were a team that felt like they were built for the regular season, not for the postseason, in that they didn't have a starting pitcher that you were going to hop on his back as evidenced by the fact that Ryan fucking Dempster started the opener. Correct. And that's only because he, he had a stellar season uh, and he did. I don't know what his numbers were. Zambrano was their ace. It was, it was Zambrano was getting towards the end at this point, which is kind of sad because it's, I kind of feel like he should have had a little bit longer career, even though it was already far longer than Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood, And he was their opening day starter for a long, long time. But Dempster had the better year. Zebrano still had a good year, but probably it probably wouldn't have mattered. But you never know. I mean, they won 97 games over 162. To get so summarily dismissed in the playoffs, you wonder if you know if a few oh. things were just yeah. done differently in the beginning of that series. Maybe it doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it. The Zebrano pitched much better than it'd be tough to pitch worse than Dempster. He walked seven guys, but uh, every one of the infielders made an error. Correct in Carlos's game. In, a, in like the first, in like a three inning span too. That game was put out of it. 
yeah, maybe I, we could dive into that. I have a lot of issues to unpack about that playoff series uh, in time, I guess. I don't know. But, but, I mean, it was a fun summer. I, like, randomly, a lot of things kind of come back to me. We don't have, like, the Aramis homer against the Brewers. That was the year before. I guess one thing we can say is to give context, just to, in case you don't know, this is the first Cubs team in our lifetime that uh, made the playoffs in successive years. Uh, and one of the very few that has even been over 500 in, in, in successive years. Um, but we talked about the 2007 Cubs and that was the year in which it was kind of a, they did make the playoffs. It was a struggle. Lou had to sort of de-dustify uh, the clubhouse for the first two months. And then they, you know, they benefited from a watered down central, yeah, that, which has never been that great to begin with. The 07 Cubs weren't good. Yeah. No, that, right. It was a bad team Make no winning mistake. a bad division. The 08 Make Cubs no were mistake. good. They, they were because, uh, well, they signed Kosuke. They already had Soriano, who was in his prime and put it, would put up monster numbers. He had Ramirez and Lee. Uh, you know, Dempster had – was Dempster a reliever in 07? Or, yes, because yeah, remember I, that was – Lou all of a sudden during the season announced he was going to make him a starter. In 07. And then they're like, yeah, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. So they but it was a smart move because Dempster had a hell well, of a year. They wanted to do it like in the middle of the year. In 07. Yeah, and they're like, no, let's wait. And they did. Well, it probably could have considering that Rich Hill, who you know ended up having a great career, but the fact that Rich Hill was your starter in game three, who was pretty green. So, yeah, Dempster, but, Dempster was very good in 08. Um, he was 17-6 with a 296 ERA, allowed only 174 hits in 206 innings. Um had ERA plus of 154. Uh, the only Cub pitcher who had a better ERA plus than him was Rich Harden, who had mm. an OPS plus for the Cubs of 258. Yeah, small sample size. Five and of one in 12 games with a 177 ERA. Uh, he allowed yeah. Rich Harden allowed 39 hits in 71 innings. <laughs> it was ki- it was kind of fun to watch Harden pitch because he was good, but it was a little bit. It was like a really really good Scott Sanderson. Like he he took a long time because he he had good stuff, but he threw a lot of pitches for whatever because he, he I mean yeah, he, he threw he a lot of pitches on striking he guys was, out. He was on. They had to put him on a pretty strict pitch count because. Much like Kerry Wood, once he got to a certain number, his arm fell off. And yeah, the turkey timer. Teams would just try to wait him out, knowing that eventually the Cubs were going to have to take him out. Yeah. And he only made 12 starts he, for them, even though they picked him up. Well, we'll get to this. He was their answer to the Brewers trading for CC Sabathia, who the Cubs had tried to trade for but did not have um, the uh, – we're not willing to part with the talent that the Brewers did, of which the only oh. talent that really made anything of it was Michael Brantley. Okay. Um, and Sabathia paid off, did he not? Do he I was, remember? He, he was did, amazing he was like for them. 10, and 10 and one or something. He kind of, uh, um, the Brewers used him uh, in a starting role, much the way Joe used Aroldis, which was, Correct. I've only got you for a few months. We're just going to pitch yeah. the shit out of you. Yeah. And um, they were starting to make short rest down the stretch. Yeah. He answered. God he bless great. him. And he could hit. I mean, that would have been fun to have had CC. Um, yeah. As it was. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, right? He will be. He got, right? Or no? Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not looking at any figures. But it wasn't he one of the last, did he win to like 200 games or 250? I mean, um, because you know he had had a pretty good career at the Indians, yeah. and he got he got paid 
based on that performance for the Brewers for three months. But he, yeah, he probably you know, is. He, he won 251 games. Yeah, he's might be the last of the 250. Probably, his, in fact, let's look here at his little. What, is, what does the baseball reference say? He'll be the last of the 250 game winners. I remember being at a game against the Brewers late in the season because he was on the team and he was batting. I remember thinking, Jesus Christ, like he looks like Prince Fielder in the batter's box. He really was fat. Of he, course, Prince was a young man. He falls below their just. He falls below their average. You know, like the black ink. He's a twenty-two. The average Hall of Famer is forty. Gray ink one seventy-four. The average Hall of Famer is one eighty-five. Uh, the Hall yeah. of Fame monitor, however, has him at one twenty-eight. The likely Hall of Famer is a hundred. Okay, he's a Hall of Famer. His similar pitchers are Andy Pettit, Mike Mussina, who's in, um, Jack Morris. <laughs> And yet Yankee fan and yet Yankee Bob fans Gibson. would tell you that Yankee fans would tell you that Pettit's the real the true Yankee and Messina's not since Messina didn't win a World Series for the Yankees. Sorry. Bob Who Tewksbury, you? huh? Huh? No, not Bob. You said Bob Tewksbury? No. Bob Who'd Gibson. You... Oh, sorry. Difference between Bob Gibson and Bob Tewksbury. Well, Tewksbury had a couple good years. Louis Tiant, Dennis Martinez, and Kurt Schilling. Okay. That's that's a good crowd. You can make the case. I mean, he probably doesn't need like the equivalent of a of a Harold Baines of a pitcher uh, to like propel him. He okay. might be able to get in. Well, Ryan, let's look at his ridiculous numbers for the Brewers. Um, he was nuts, you know. And so, the, uh, while you're looking that up, I'll give some context. The Brewers, not just because it's fun to dump on other teams, especially teams like the Brewers. Even though I grew up like you did, liking the Brewers because they were an American League team and. We both rooted for them in the World Series in 82. That was their, of course, first playoff appearance, 1982, for a franchise that had only been around for 14 years, so it's not that bad. The Brewers, again, uh, would not – actually, they may have made the playoffs in the 81 strike short in season. Uh, could be wrong. Anyway, they would not make the playoffs after the World Series appearance in 82. They would not make the playoffs – correct me if I'm wrong, Andy – until this season. I, you know, I know you're looking up something else, but seems right. I can check I think they went, yeah, and now to, to this day, they're one of the few teams that have probably worse playoff futility than the White Sox, just as far as appearances, and in fact, worse because they haven't won a World Series. But yeah, so the Brewers were always of no consequence, even after they joined the National League. They've been in the National League now for 10 years. They joined in 98, and they're the team that all of a sudden, it's not the Cardinals, who have kind of been out of commission for a couple of years. You know, Tony was probably drinking in a dark room before uh, they sort of mystifyingly reemerged. But it was the Brewers, not the Cardinals, that were nipping at the Cubs' heels. Yeah, and so the, I don't know if you remember this happened, but the Brewers, <laughs> with 12 games to go, fired Ned Yost. Oh, my God, that's right. And made, and hired, and made, with future Cub manager? Dale Svein, their manager. Because they were choking it away. They're, they're wild. Were they? Yeah. The wild had nothing to do with the Cubs. The Cubs obviously no, with ninety-seven the wins. The Cubs ran them. away with the division. Yeah. Um. So here's CC in seventeen starts for the Brewers. He was eleven and two with a one sixty-five ERA. He threw seven complete games and three shutouts. That's pretty good. Wow. Uh, but his his ERA plus not as good as Rich Harden's. It was just two fifty-five. So Harden Cubs win. Cubs win. Cubs win the, the trade. trades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, what does he see? Because that was the other thing. For a, well, the uh, the other part of that, by the way, the unintended consequence of the trade is that you're comparing Michael Brantley to Josh Donaldson. So I don't know. 
Um, All right, because that's the one the the one thing that came out of the Brewers uh, deal with Sabathian. What, Eric oh, Patterson. Oh, yeah, fuck. Cubs had to give up Eric Patterson. I mean, come on. I forgot about Eric Patterson. Um, where's hitting? I don't know why I care about this, but who the who standard batting? I just want to see what he hit for them. Yeah, uh, two twenty nine with a homer and six RBS. I feel like he hit a homer. He hit that homer against the Cubs, but I don't remember. Maybe not. I might just. I don't know, but I do remember seeing it. I'm sure he got a big hit against the Cubs. There was a game down the stretch where I, I don't remember even the outcome of the game. I remember being there and just thinking he looked like Fielder in the batter's box. He may have even hit one to the wall. That's the thing. That's why I, maybe I remember it. Um, but yeah, rare, you know, rare, rarefied air for the Cubs because at this point, like at least for you and I, right, this is only the, you know, 84, 89, 98, 03. They did go to the playoffs the year before. So we're getting a little bit used to it, but it's still kind of rarefied. It was Even only the more second re- time in our lifetimes that they had had back-to-back winning seasons. Okay, oh three, oh three, oh four. Maybe you, right? Seventy-one and seventy-two. Now, I was born in seventy-two, but okay, uh, so they, they, they did the, not the first back-to-back was dusty. Oh three, oh four, yeah. right? In our lifetimes, let alone our own conscious memory, right? In my conscious memory, it's definitely. And you're right. I think they were under five. So. They uh, very futile. However, in spite of that, even more rarefied air for the Brewers, yes. because yeah, what the fuck were they doing? So well, yeah, that? a little scary. I mean, this was the second time in Cub history that they had made the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. They also did it in oh, they did it three eight. years in a row: nineteen oh six, nineteen oh six, oh seven, oh eight. The White Sox didn't do it until last year. Right. <laughs> Charter franchise. Please folks. tell me about just how wonderful the fucking White Sox history is. It sucks. Oh, I've talked about it before. Well, we've talked no, about it on here before. Yeah, here, right, here, right. No team in of the original sixteen has been in few is few World Series. The White Sox five. Even the Indians have been in more than that. So, how do you think Karsten Charles Sabathia fared in his playoff start against the, uh, against so, the World Champion Phillies? No, next year. But they were on the Ascension. They were on the Ascension, and they are kind of a surprise team in 08, I think. But um, how did he? How did CC Sabathia do against uh, uh, Charlie Manuel, Ryan Thomas, and the Philadelphia Phillies? Uh, he gave up six hits and Ryan, five runs in three, in three and two-thirds innings. Uh, the 12-27 ERA. See, isn't baseball a fucking bitch? One, one and done. He yeah. had one shot. He's one bad game, right? Like, he was hotter than shit. And he's got one game that that's the game. No pitcher's perfect. All pitchers get lit up. And it just happened to be in a playoff game. Sorry, Brewers. How about the fact that despite going 11 and 2 with 165, he didn't didn't finish in the top uh, 10 in Cy Young voting in the National League? That's nuts. Like, oh, no, we only, pitched, Su- only pitched half a season. We can't vote for Rick, what? Rick, Rick Sutcliffe won the Cy Young yeah. in 84. Of course, the you know he came in late June, but because yeah, CeCe would have been acquired probably at the deadline, right? So he had, what, two months? Must have been before because the Cubs were able to counter it. Yeah. The hard <laughs> well, the, the hard deal. Like, oh, no. We, we acted too soon. The Cubs got Rich Harden. Well, the Harden deal was a good deal, though, because he was a legit pitcher. Yeah. All right, so here's where the Cubs are at. Kerry Wood is like at the end, sort of. Like he's been through his arms and blown up multiple things. Not you know, he's not a starter anymore. The only way for Kerry to draw a paycheck, he, he can't closer. put that right. And they started working him in. He, he came back from his 
I think, 32nd uh, DL appearance uh, the previous year as a reliever for the first time. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah, he's, you know, he's got so many bullets in that arm. And, you know, I mean, he just, that was when Kerry stopped being a starter. And he was a really good closer, I think, in a way. I mean, you're probably looking at it now. He was an all-star reliever. Interesting. Everybody, everybody on the 2008 Cubs was an all-star. Cubs had a lot of all-stars. Do you, they only had one starter, though. Do you remember who it was? Uh, it was a, no, it wasn't Ryan Dempster. I'd remember that. Um, it was the starter. Um, you, you almost he got put it to he me. He got voted in. It's Koski. It's Koski. Yeah. yeah. So Koski from a Asian continent. This is like early internet. You could probably vote online in 2008. You think or? I, oh yeah, I'm sure. Otherwise, I mean, how are all the Japanese guys voting for? They weren't mailing. You know. They weren't going to the park and mailing in the ballot. Right. Or do it. I would do. Would you do this as a kid? By the way, for the All Star ballots, you go to a Cubs. The only way you could vote was going to a game, right? Yep. In the eighties, and it had to be during all the, the election season. And my, yeah, my older like brother. May, would do, it was like sometime in May because they had to figure out who was going to be on the right, ballot. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And so I remember my older brother teaching me this trick: like grab a stack, get a stack of ballots, and then just and then just vote for Cubs, which you know is meatballish. You're not actually being objective, but it's like, yeah, you root for the team. Well, you want to see, they had you want to see Joe Strain at second base in the all in the 1981. They had to change game. the way they did balloting once because the fucking Reds fans voted in all Reds. Correct. And it's like, okay, yeah. this is not and the that was big like red the, machine anymore, or maybe no, it was the free machine, but, right? No, no. You know what though? That was like in the 60s. That was like some weird. So that's the thing. That was a, what we were dealing with was like security proof. If you Google like Cincinnati Reds All Star Fan Voting, that is not that has nothing to do with the red big red machine, which justifiably probably at least 70 percent of it could have been uh, voted in um, legitimately, but somehow whatever an- antiquated um, you know process they had in place uh, for the All Star Game in you know in the olden days, like the fifties or sixties, the the fine residents of Cincinnati somehow yeah. you know managed to rig it and i think the commissioner may have stepped in but that yeah that's there is there is some i don't even know if that story exists if it's on the internet i'm not even bothering to pull it up but i know that it was cincinnati right but i in our own way i just remember going to you know would go to the the handful of games that we would go to back then it was like oh yeah all star balance i'm gonna get as ma- you know not just a chicago thing folks but i'm gonna get as many as i can and i'm gonna and i'm gonna punch in uh ken reitz and not that we're big on Ken Reeds, but no. so the, the Cubs All Stars that year were Koske, Aramis Ramirez, Alfonso Soriano, Ryan Dempster, Carlos Marmol, Kerry Wood, and Carlos Zambrano. Wow! Um, and there was a future Cub that also got uh, voted in, Dan Heron. Not Rich Harden. Dan Heron. Uh, do you know the start? Oh, and Giovanni Soto. I missed him. He was the other starter. Giovanni Soto started. He got voted in. I wonder if the other catcher got hurt because I he not a doubt he got he hurt. did not get voted in. Um, the pitcher for the National League was Ben Sheets. I thought I literally thought of Ben Sheets earlier today. Honest to God, thinking how he was like the Brewers' dime store answer for Kerry Wood. I never would have guessed that Ben Sheets would have made an All Star game. And the manager was the ruddy faced Clint. Let me guess. I was going to say the manager of the, uh, oh man, I, I saved it. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm clearing out my dad's house. I posted a few pictures on Twitter. I did find the sports illustrated with Clint hurdle 
mystifyingly unruddy as a, as a player on the Kansas City Royals. I think I kept it. So the, if I go back, I'll have to take a picture. The American League All-Star team had two Cubs. Two, well, let's see. Uh, one was a former Cub, and one was a, th- oh, one would be a Cub the very next year. In 2009, when they started sliding, was Milton Bradley an All-Star in 08? Yes, Milton Bradley was the DH. And <laughs> Rule 5, pick up Josh Hamilton was a uh, center fielder for the American League. That's a good call. Not many fans remember a, that Josh Hamilton was technically a Cub, right? Right. Which is not, which is would be unfair to blame Henry for trading him because the only reason that Jim Henry acquired him in the first place from Texas after he had flamed out from his, just you know, Josh Hamilton. I don't know why we're talking about Josh Hamilton, but I'm going to finish my thought. He and Corey Patterson were the number, the top two prospects in baseball in 2000. They battled for the cover of Baseball America for a couple of years. Those were your prospects, but Hamilton flamed out for drugs. He was a Tampa Bay Devil Ray. Uh, they were the Devil Rays then, and then resurfaced. So nobody really thought of Josh Hamilton when Henry picked him up, but he only picked him up. I don't remember the details. But his, he intended to deal him to Cincinnati the whole time, and and, and Hamilton went it on to have his one deal. The Cubs had a higher, or the maybe the Reds were gonna basically the Reds basically worked out a deal ahead of time with the Cubs. Henry would take Hamilton and trade them to him, so it was never taken with the idea that um, right the Cubs had no intention. No. And Hamilton had, and then Hamilton actually, t- you know, had his 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 renaissance where he finally figured it out that one year. And was 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 he an All Star in 08 for the Reds or no? He was with the Rangers by then, right? Yeah, he Not the tra- Rangers. He, didn't he get traded for? Uh, oh, yeah, it was the Rangers. Willie Mo Pena, which I will insist I will always call him Wiley Mo, because because he only had the one L. No, he didn't get traded for him. He got traded for Edison Volquez. That's who he got traded for. Oh wow! Yep. Edison Volquez reference. Yep. That's kind of throwing me a little bit. Um, but yeah, Kerry Wood was the Cub closer that year. Uh, a lot of decisions for closer. Five and four with a three twenty six ERA. He had thirty four saves. Um, struck out eighty four in sixty six innings. Yep. And the Cubs how many had walks? A, the Cubs had a good. Uh, let's see how many. I'm just where I'm just like it always seemed to. Wow. Well, okay. It was his exciting. Control, his control was better as a closer because he basically he could go back to throwing his slurve again because he didn't have yeah. to worry about having to he get blow it out. Yeah. You know, I, I, Kerry Wood, I, I not a Hall of Famer like Gail Sayers, but I always kind of feel a little bit like. God, he had all these like like white hot moments and just never quite, you know. But by 2008, we always loved him. So, you know, he was frustrating because of things that he couldn't control, like his health. Uh, but I remember thinking, God, that'd be a great ending. Kerry Wood, the Cubs can finally break through. And here's this, you know, this guy that first gave us hope in '98, and you know, he's going to be closing out games. And sadly, of course, he we'll get to it. But he never got a chance to close out a playoff game. No. So, but um, anyway. So yeah, so he, I guess it must have been then right. Two thousand seven, he told Henry he was done, he was going to retire. And the the apocryphal story, at least, is that he woke up and decided to throw, see how the old arm felt before. I remember that's went. a good that's a good pull, Andy. I forgot all about that story. And his arm felt good, and he's basically like, well, shit, I'm not going to retire while my arm feels good. And the Cubs turned him into a he was a he was a reliever, but he only pitched in twenty two games in 07. But good enough at towards the end of the season. And he was on the playoff roster 
And mm-hmm. um, he was the reason then that the uh, that Lou felt like he could make Dempster a starter because he would have Lou was uh, crafty in that he liked having Marmol able to pitch more than one inning. So he okay. really wanted Marmol to not be the. He wanted to have a closer so that he could pitch Marmol whenever they were in the shit. Which let's discuss that real quickly because it's funny. I've noticed now that it's not unusual at all because of the way uh, you know pitching is, is is structured for so-called saves guys or closers to pitch more than one inning. Uh, and for a while though, that was rare. And I feel like that began with Tony LaRusso's use of Dennis Eckersley. Like, you know, in the old days we've talked about like uh, early days of Lee Smith and, and Bruce Suter. These guys are coming for two, three innings and get a save. But then after LaRusso, the LaRusso and Eckersley revolution, it was like, you never bring your closer in before the ninth inning. Whereas now, because it's fractured a different way, that's, that's totally fine. It makes sense. It happens probably a lot more than it did say in 2008, which is why Lou is like, well, I can't sit him for the back of the game because my closer is a one inning guy, even though Marmol should be the, so he was kind of right in his thinking that Marmol can get more than three outs. Um, But for somehow he didn't feel like it was, it was proper at the time to bring in your closer in the eighth inning, which is fine. He had carry wood. He he had a kind of a luxury there actually. And I think they were careful. I think they felt like, Carry needed, like, you couldn't hurry him up to bring him in. Like True. If somebody got in trouble. You didn't want Wood, like, hurrying up and trying to get his arm ready. So, like, more than ever, fly if on. anyone needed a one-inning closer, right. it'd be Carry Wood. They wanted for to. For health We say that, and then we probably could look it up, and he pitched a bunch of. But I, don't I doubt think he did. it. Yeah, Lou wasn't that out of the box, but that's kind of a, you know. Well, Lou I mean, invented, Lou, inve- Lou invented the Nasty Boys, for God's sakes. True. Yeah, he took three relievers. At, you're right about that, and that was that. It's kind of funny. He beat Larusa's A's, who had Eckersley, right? Um, you know, it's funny that it, it kind of went the direction of Larusa using one closer that way, as opposed to Pinella with three. You know, with Norm Charlton, Randy Myers, and uh, whoever the hell. All right, so this is interesting. So Kerry pitched Rob in Campbell. 65 games. Um. He pitched two innings in one, two, three, four, five. Well, he was a yeah, he was a former starter, so there's a balance between and they're pretty well spread out. One in April, one in May, one in June, and two in September. Okay, so it's but every other time it was it was an inning or less. Yeah. Um. So the the majority of his innings were of his starts, he was just coming in for Uh, appearances. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And but like, while you're at it, can you look up Marmel? Because I feel like 2008 was that peak Marmel. He was so fucking incredible by then. He he was the setup man the year before. He was a young guy. I think he came up late in 05. So he, he was kind of seasoned by 08. He came up in late 05, maybe came up late in 06. 06. Okay, as a it was starter. Late. Around the same time as Juan Balls Mateo was that his nickname that we gave to him, Mateo. But like, so he was a starter at first, and they, then he made sort 13 of 13 starts. And yeah. uh, they didn't go well. He had a 6080 area. They made him a full time reliever in 07, and he was immediately he was, great. Correct. Uh, but, you know, in fairness to Carlos, 2006 was a very dispiriting end of the Dusty era. Pretty much nobody gave a fuck. So, yeah, so Marmel becomes out of the blue this reliable setup man for Dempster, and then kind of 
with Pinella in his second year, kind of stays in that role now, but it's just for Wood. And he was, I, th- I feel like 2008, he may have been better in 09 for all I know, but I feel like this is the sort of sweet spot for Carlos He Morrow. was, his his best year statistically was 07, but in 08, um, he was really good. And he pitched in 82 games. He pitched in more than half their games. Jesus Christ. Which is probably why by, uh, what year was he bad? By 10? But it wasn't injuries. By I always, 11. I always thought that he was so. So what? What is it? Do we know? Like I always felt like people, people couldn't lay off. Like they stopped swing. He had nasty movement. He had a really strong fastball, yeah. which you need to build right. off. And then of he that. threw the his slider. He, it, he rarely threw it as a strike, but apparently right. it looked they like the fastball swung long it. enough that they always swung at it. And then at some point, they kind of, they enough of them stopped swinging at it. That then he had yeah. to throw the fastball, which was fast, but not as good. And right, but even hit. like Ryan Terrio can hit it. So, but I mean, for all of the besmirching that Carlos Marmol gets, um, once they turn him in reliever, he pitched in 59, 82, 79, 77, 75, and 61 games. Jesus. Led the National League in 2010 with 70 games finished. He had a, he had a good year in 10, 255 ERA. Um, but I feel like he was starting to like walk guys. I bet you, his, I feel like his walk rate started going up by then. He still kept people from scoring. He was throwing a lot more pitches. I feel is my point. Yeah. His walk rate was the highest in nine. It, it went was. up to almost okay. eight walks per nine innings. It had been, it had been 4.2 in 08. So it more than it, it almost doubled, which is not great. Um, his strikeout rate stayed consistent, but then in 2010, he struck out 16 batters per nine innings. Is that good? That seems good. That's incredible. All right. So I, I'm glad we re-examined this because in my head, I've kind of got my own uh, ill-informed Mandela-affected narrative. It's not necessarily But 11 was the year that he accurate. pitched the fucking Cardinals into the playoffs. We, right. We can't forget that. Yes. No, we cannot. And I guess we might. We've talked We've talked long enough. We've talked around it. We need to talk about a Cardinal who... The Cardinals had traded away. They traded him to the Padres for Ryan Ludwig. Yep. And the Padres took one look at him and went, no, you're bad. And they waved him. And Jim Henry said, I like the cut of this guy's jib. Cub fans love him. Let's bring him in. And the Cubs signed Lassie. Jim Edmonds. And Jim Edmonds, in he actually, 85 I know he... games for the Cubs... Well, let's. I want to see what he did with it. He was Here's done. The thing. He was completely done. No, but he all right, with the Padres, I, not, I, I, he hit I, I, 178 right, with 265 before he came base. to the Cubs. Right, and I'm and I'm not and I, I do not feel uh, good about defending Jim Edmonds, uh, especially to you. Um, but I got to tell you, yeah, I and I think you'll you you might be willing to give him some some grace here. He did perform for the Cubs, which in effect you probably at the end enjoy because that would kind of stick it to the Cardinals in some small sense. I don't know. Oh yeah, Cardinal fans were pissed that he was a Cub. It really bothered. Yeah, my mo- do you- He was a traitor before Albert Pujols was a traitor. T R A D E R. So that's good. My one Jim Edmonds moment as a Cub, you could say that it didn't even happen in a Cubs uniform, but he was a member of the Cubs. But he hit a walk off against the Braves on a weekday, but they happened to be wearing the uh, 1908 uniform. But he was a whale, so- right? No. Was that? Yeah, yeah. It might have been. Fed- I they had the whale uniforms on. It was against. He also the Braves, had a. He also had a, at least one home run in that ridiculous comeback against the Rockies. 
He did. Okay. Yeah. The, the one that the, I, I feel, two. Well, you let's pull that game up, but also there's the other. I'm just going to drop it in the box. But uh, so you're talking about the game that you you think uh, Soto hit a grand slam, but also DeRosa, I thought, did some crazy things. But I found a game that was on June 12th, uh, three to two in the bottom of the 11th. Um, I guess our guy Edmonds. And of course, baseball reference isn't going to tell you that. Uh, oh, Edmonds tied the game in the ninth. Well, yeah, we but all, baseball we remember the game with the with the weird uniforms. I mean, that's yeah. Well, baseball reference won't tell you that, but that was, they were wearing the and I don't know if it was the whales or the OA Cubs, but you seem to nail it. I bet you, I bet you, you're right. So Edmonds tied that game uh, in the bottom of the ninth with a one out homer off of Blaine Boyer. Uh, a game that was eventually won when, oh, one of my favorite ways to end a game. And I talked about it when Ray Sanchez ended a game when Rob Dibble hit him with the bases loaded. But Reed Johnson got hit by a pitch by Jeff Ridgway, which scored Aramis Ramirez, uh, in which the, after the game the Cubs were 43-24, and 24, uh, sitting pretty. They knocked off the Braves. But that was the one game. It's the one game I think of when you bring up Jim Edmonds as a Cub. I thought he walked it off with a win. Turns out he tied it. Yep. That's why I'm glad I do this. And I can put one in the books. We don't have to talk about Jim Evans as a Cub again. Let's talk about that fun. Well, no, the, uh, you, before you jumped all over me, I was going to say he was done with the Padres <laughs> because he was 178, 265. The Cubs pick him up, and it's like, why the fuck are we wasting our time? Right. This, and this in, asshole in, who I despise probably amongst all the Cardinals. And right? in 85 games, he hit 256 with a 369 on base and a 568 slug. His 937. OPS was the best he had had since 2004. <laughs> That's um, awesome. All right. So how do you not like Jim Edmonds a little bit for doing that? As much as he was the reason that we hated the Cardinals. He also, he got he got a moment that I'm sure he enjoyed. Uh, the Cubs clinched the division at Wrigley against afternoon. the Cardinals, and Jim Edmonds caught the final out. I was about to bring that up. Thank you for doing it. You're right. Yeah, had to be said. I mean, I don't know if he had any. Well, of course he'd have animosity towards him because they caught him at the end. So he, he wasn't ready to stop playing. They didn't cut him. They traded him. They got rid of him for Ryan Ludwig. That's funny. So he was motivated to show him up, even though he had won one World Series with them. Um, yeah, it was. We had to, we had to sort of resolve all that. Like first we got him, and then he doesn't suck, and then okay, yeah, all right, that's good. It kind of kind of worked out. So. But I think they would have been fine had they not picked him up because they could have just continued to play Felix P.A. and Reed Johnson in center field. I'm sure that would have worked out great. Yeah, and even though, like, we burned out on Corey Patterson, a lot of us were still pretty excited about Felix P.A., and he was even less impressive than Corey Patterson. I mean, the best thing about Felix was, between every pitch, he completely grabbed his balls. Like, Well, no, was that it? Hand almost, basically rubbing his taint to the point where... See, who he was, was put doing, on the DIL. Who was doing Sorry. games in 08? That would have been they run Fox uh, that's, uh, Chicago. No, that's still, uh, or is that. Oh, um, well, it was Len Casper, first of all. Uh, Len Casper. Well, I know and, who the announcers uh, were. Bob Brunley, but yeah. I, I'm just saying, whatever the network kind of... was, literally had to start. We noticed this. They zoomed in on Felix above the waist between pitches. Because it was, oh. they didn't want to, you know, get uh, FCC fines for him enjoying his junk. Yeah, he, he got now, he got hurt, right? Didn't he get hit in the for ball? a twisted a twisted testicle? Yeah. Um, I'm actually I found an article. It says uh, uh, Lou Pinella is calling Paul Sullivan's gingerly referred to it as a personal problem. 
but the award for most delicately tiptoeing around the issue goes to the AP, which referred to the injury as an outpatient procedure for a minor groin injury. Uh, he had missed time because he was suffering from a twisted testicle. Yeah. Now, this is just the Chicagoist, which is sort of a blog-based, but it's a news aggregator, so it's basically, you know, should be somewhat journalistically checks out. But, yeah, so... I only um, believe things if they were on Chicago now. Well, but that's... <laughs> wow, Sarah, there's Sarah a reference. Spain wrote about it, or Jimmy Greenfeld. Which might have I believed. Otherwise, no, I'm not believing any of that. Good call. I'm wondering if the if the local Chicago Red Eye was being read in 2008. Uh, well, probably, it could have been. Uh, I I just think that's almost too much on the nose that uh, Felix Pa kept grabbing his crotch between at bats, and then he would later be officially placed uh, on the disabled list for twisted testicle. So, some jokes just write themselves. Uh, folks. So, was 2008? Was that the year? Yeah. Um. This would have been the first of two huge uh, franchise-changing end-of-spring-training waiver claims that the Cubs made. End-of-spring-spring tra- 2008, and both of them came from the Blue Jays. 2008, the Blue Jays gave up on Reed Johnson. And the Cubs yep. snatched him, and he was a very useful player for them. And then a couple of years later, they waived Louis Valbuena. Oh. And the Cubs swooped in. And they solved their third base spot for years based on that one waiver claim. So, yeah. Worked out great. Um, I think it might be good to take one game. I mean, I, I, I briefly glossed over um, uh, this game a minute ago, but you mentioned the Rockies game that I, I threw the link in there. I'm not happy with the winning pitcher. But it probably is one of the more memorable games of the season. Well, obviously of the season, but the Cubs were trailing eight to nothing in the fourth inning. Yeah, on May thirtieth, the Friday after Memorial Day weekend. And I, I'm only bringing this game. I'm going to bring an inside reference, and I'll remember that when we would sometimes, you know, Cubs played even then played a lot of games during the day. A lot of us wasted a lot of time. Uh, following the games, reading, you know, doing the uh, the game casts, communicating in various platforms and message boards while the game was going on. And this would have been uh, Mike Bratz, uh, Hire Jim Essie, and Shoutbox. And I just gotten to know our friend. Uh, I'm not sure if I should. I'll use a pseudonym because he's a little bit of a public figure. But Section 242 uh, said that if I was at this game, I'd be gone by the fourth inning. And I was very quick to judge him. You don't leave a baseball game, certainly before the sixth inning. So uh, I was uh, spent the next few years reminding our friend Bill. Oh, did I say his name? That um, that he would have left that game early because they were down eight nothing, and some fans would have left. In fact, this day it was probably re- really warm weather. It's they May were down 30. nine to one in the sixth. There you go. Um, but these Cubs, there's no quitting these Cubs, and so in the sixth. Um, why was John Lieber taking such a beating? Good. Well, John Lieber was in his second go-around. Oh, yeah, Ted Lilly started. Lieber had, yeah, Lieber. Lieber had come in. Lieber, because it is um, by codicil, anytime you win 20 games with the Cubs, Get reacquired. you have to leave. Yeah, you have to leave and then come back as a lesser form of yourself. In some cases, Fergie was lesser, but he was still an effective pitcher. Rick Russell was lesser, but still had a lot in the tank. Greg Maddox was lesser, but still very good. John Lieber was done. And had nothing, which was sad because I was, I really always enjoyed John Lieber. In fact, he didn't pitch that bad in that game. Nope. 
kept him in but it. He, he was well, done they, that year. Um, so, yeah, the bottom of the six, down 9-1. to one. Micah Hoffpower gets a ground rule double. Must have hit it into the Ivy. Yep. Koske homered to make it 9-3. to three, And then Lassie hit a home run to make it 9-4. to four. That's the one you referenced. Well, no, there's more. And then right, but you seventh, referenced he had a big homer in that game. No, there's more. Then From in the Edmonds. seventh, being okay. down 9-4, to four, Hank White hit a two-run homer. Now it's 9-6, and Wrigley is everyone's, everyone believes. And with two on, Jim Edmonds comes up, and he hits a three-run homer off Manny Corpus, another future Cub. Jesus. To tie the game, and Mark DeRosa immediately follows. Well, not immediately. It was no. Count. Edmonds hit a double. You, you oh, misread that. Double? Maybe oh. you're the one who had cataract surgery. Shit, I thought he had two home runs in the game. No, DeRosa hit the homer. See, I remember DeRosa having a role in this was game. Was it his second of the season? Oh, yeah, but no, still, he had a two-run double. So Jim and... Edmonds, two. But that it was yep. the second of the season. That's what yes. I mean. yes, 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 yes. But he still had a huge double, so yep. he's having a game. DeRosa, then DeRosa I mean, hits the big home run. Um, and the Cubs are up. That was a go-ahead homer, huh? Yeah. No, no, they're still down, right? No, that puts him up 10 to nine. DeRosa's homer gave him the lead. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it, yep. 10 to 9. Um. Yeah, I pile like Mark DeRosa is a guy that I, I always feel conflicted about because he was with the Cubs for two seasons, and he was absolutely probably the two best regular seasons of his career. He was good. Um, and he was well, he was useful because they played him wherever they needed somebody. Well, he was like a Mark Loretta. He was like a a uh, he was a guy. It seemed like uh, slightly above average. I believe we discovered that he played against the Cubs for as a member of the Braves in two thousand three. But he yeah. was he didn't seem like anything special. And yet he probably had his two best seasons with the Cubs. He was terrific, man. He was just like you know he played good defense at second. That was settled. He had big hits. He was a driver of the offense. But in both of those seasons, and and, and I will say that in two thousand and eight he did hit the big home run. In two thousand seven. He had the anxious when everyone, because Cup fans love their like bland white guys, like Scott Ayer, who was the winner in this Rockies game, and Ryan Dempster and uh, Mark DeRosa and like whatever. They go on and on and on. Um, uh, DeRosa had a 3-1 count against LeVon Hernandez with the bases loaded. Granted, it was in a desperation game three when they're about to get swept, but then chased the ball in the dirt, in which he could have just gotten an RBI and taken a base and hit into a a season-ending double play, which bothered me because I just feel like oh, you try to be a hero. In 2008 is another great season, and then we'll get to it. We'll get to it in the playoffs. We'll talk about it in a minute. But he made probably, I think, what the, the most crucial of the four infield errors. Yes. Um, and I just feel like, God, you were so good during the season. Then you just shit, you know, you shit the tub in the playoffs, and yet you know nobody's going to remember that because you're white and you're friendly and you have good teeth and uh you can you're welcome back like Ryan Dempster but you know we can yell at Carlos Zambrano at the meantime anyway well his this is kind the, of the, the irritating thing was his four best seasons came right in a row 06 with the Rangers which is the season he used to get to sign the free agent deal with the Cubs then 07 and 08 with the Cubs and then he was good again in 09 especially in Cleveland he continued um, to be good not even he again got, he was still good then he got traded at the deadline to the Cardinals in 2009. Oh. And he made a hilarious, he was bad for the Cardinals, which was great. And he made a hilarious right. error in the playoffs where he threw oh, a ball that. into like the 14th row. And that was, I believe it was the same game. I know it was the same series. I believe it was the game where Matt Holiday lost a game because he got hit in the balls with a fly ball. Right. Ryan Franklin was the pitcher. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ryan Franklin, you know, whose nephew is a top Cubs pitching prospect, by the way. Oh, who's that? And they're only Cole Franklin. Okay. And Good they all Cubs only have top prospects. So, so De- it's going to be great. I can't wait. So DeRosa De shitting the tub for the Cardinals is almost like the inverse, but similarly valued proportion of Jim Edmonds. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, the, the, the only thing that would make it exact would be if Jim Edmonds sucked for the Cardinals and then did this for the Cubs. So, so the thing that made it irritating was the only reason the Cubs traded, Lou was pissed um, because DeRosa was useful. DeRosa in both years with the Cubs played every position except for pitcher and catcher. You even played, played center? Him. Lou played him everywhere. He played all three outfield spots. I know he, he played, played a lot all, of right and every outfield. Even shortstop yeah. once in a while? All right. Um, the reason they traded him was this would be late Sam Zell, right? Because it wasn't 09. Sam but, Zell still owned the team. No longer Tribune owned, I should point out, the, but not Ricketts owned. Didn't that, the Omaha Rednecks take over sometime in 09? Right. They were Tribune owned, but... It was a period – I don't consider that Tribune. It's Sam Zell owned the Tribune. So, yeah, it was not the Tribune as we know it. So, I won't go into the whole laborious story, but I told it on the baseball podcast yesterday. But I was talking about how people, there are some people who insist that Nick Madrigal is good because – how could he not be good? The White Sox took him with the fourth overall pick in the draft, and the Cubs prioritized him with their biggest asset. They traded Craig Kimbrell to get him. And in both instances, I said they're both – chase the same stupid thing and it was baseball has become home run or nothing and here's a little guy who makes lots of contact let's go get him he's perfect except for the fact that the little guy doesn't hit the ball very hard and he doesn't run very fast and he never takes a walk and he's just not that good so i equated it to and after the cubs got swept by the dodgers in 08 dave kaplan loves to tell a story the hotel bar is lou and jim hendry and I'm sure, and Matt Sinatra, because he, he was like contractually obligated to be with Lou. With Lou. And I think Larry Rothschild was there too, but he wasn't paying attention to this. Um, Lou was bitching to Jim that he needed more left-handed bats. I mean, that was the reason they got Edmonds. And the Cubs didn't, not only did the Cubs not bring Edmonds back, nobody signed Edmonds. He didn't play in 2009. He came back in 10 for the Brewers and played a little bit in 11 for the Reds, and his career was over. Okay. And they're like, we got to get left-handed bats. And so... um Hendry's like, I'll get you one. I'll get you one. Because yeah, they had Postcat, who Lou wasn't going to play in game three, and then at the well, last minute threw him in the lineup because he didn't have anybody else. And then Postcat was bad. I want I, I want to um, sort of litigate the Coast because I feel like Postcat, I'm not going to draw any uh, parallels to today. It's, that, it's irrelevant because it's early. But I will say Postcat, as we said, got off to a hot start, and then he slid, and he got figured out. I know that sounds familiar. I, and I just feel like by the end of the year, it was like he was, he, he kind of rebounded and he ended up having like, you know, a decent career. You know, he was not what we, what, what we hoped, especially certain, certainly what he had delivered on opening day. He had a very hollow career. He had decent stats, but he wasn't. But I feel like, I feel like he either got figured out or whatever. They got off to a hot start, gave the Cubs a spark. And then he was like just twirling himself into the ground by the end of the season. Ridiculous, weird, loopy, right. But I remember that there was like I have to like search my brain for this. I remember thinking that in the playoffs, can we can we go to the playoffs now? I don't know if we missed it. We, we covered most of the relevant points, but I want to say that in game one of the playoffs, 
that Lou batted him down in the order, like the punt, like he was mad at him for like just going on a downward decline. But I was like, fuck you. At the end of the day, I'd still rather have him at the top towards the top of the lineup than Ryan fucking Terrio. So correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe Ter- maybe Fukudome was batting second, but I feel on the other hand that in game one, at least well, Terrio was batting so second. bad in the second half. I don't know how you, I know, I know, but what are you going to bat him second? Just because he's left-handed. That was the whole fucking point. Yeah. He couldn't, they, uh, how they, bad he was he? Play him at all. I know. I know. I feel like Lou is down. Well, on how that. many things you want me to look up at once? Well, <laughs> just, I thought you could do that right away. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. I just make, I'm just trying to figure out if that was just, um, you know, something that I just, you know, missed, understood. I, I felt like at the time that, uh, that there was some tension between how he batted Fukudome. It didn't really matter, obviously, because they both sucked, uh, Terrio. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Fukudome right. was the second so we'll half. Start with, we'll start with Coast Case splits. At the All-Star break, 279, 383, 408, 791 OPS. That's pretty good. All right, we can live with that. After the All-Star break, 217, 314, 326. Jesus. You going to bat that second? In August, 193, 293, 253. In September, 178, 289, 289. Or 289. God damn. Yeah, I don't know what I, I just thought maybe the playoffs would spark him. I, just I mean, I'm sure you, there's an argument that can be made. The loose screaming at him. <laughs> right, in English. Probably didn't help. Um, Those are the two black holes, right? But if you uh, can't handle your manager screaming at you, what are you going to do yeah. against uh, the mighty Dodgers? Against Derek Lowe, Chad Billingsley, and Hiroki Kuroda? You're screwed. Wow. Chad Billingsley. God, I don't even remember Kuroda. Let's start at game three. The, How about this? Play- All right. Here's the batting order. Game one. Alfonso Soriano in left field. Kosuke Fukudome in right field. So that, uh, maybe I had it backwards in my head. Derek then. Lee. So you were, you were probably mad that he was batting that high. That's it. That's it. See? Happy. Because, you know, in fairness to me, by the time 2008 rolled around, I was 36 and I'd been drinking for a long time. <laughs> Unlike 1983, where I, or you know, or 82, where I'll tell you that Bump Wills, you know, hits one out on Mario Soda right away. My memory can get a little bit fuzzy, but I know that. So I remember thinking that Lou got cute. So it was the opposite. It was that <clears throat> he thought that Fukudomi would turn it around, and he absolutely uh, Kosuke rewarded Lou by absolutely continuing to twirl himself into the ground. So I, I, I think I, I did some revisionist history because I've spent so much time subsequent to 2008 hating Ryan Terrio that I maybe convinced myself that I always hated him. But I guess at the time I was probably advocating oh, he for, was, hey, move he that the, Ryan Terrio to riot, second. Because his name's yeah. called the riot. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I want to say uh, if we get to the four errors that they all the whole infield made behind uh, Zebranos that I can I can describe Terrios and his is the one that aggravates me the most. So to finish the story that I was telling before we got into, before I had to look up all the coast which coast. which we do. Um, so they're sitting in the hotel bar and Lou is yelling at Henry to get him a left-handed bat and Henry says, "Fine, I'll get you one." Uh, he gets his budget. For next year, and remember the Cubs had been artificially inflated in 07 and 08 with Sam Zell cash because he wanted to be able to sell him. Well, now right. he'd made they made the playoffs two years in a row, and Sam's like, "No, nah, stop! We're not spending any more money. I'm about to sell this team." So they had they had to trade someone to open up to free up some money, and they traded DeRosa uh, in a real in what should have been a really good trade. They got Chris Archer 
yep. as part of the trade from the Indians. Hey, that's a pretty good deal. Uh, then in a panic deal a year or two later, uh, the a Cub team that was no longer contending traded Correct. Archer to the Rays for Matt Garza. But may still have been Jim Henry, I believe. But it was. Okay. No, it was yeah. Um, and so, so they, they opened up money so that they could go out and sign Milton Bradley. Yep. And we all know how that goes because we've covered the 2009 season, which is basically we, – we've said more than there should be said about Milton Bradley because uh, we pin a lot of the failures in the 2009 team on his presence. So the big moment of the season was in the visiting clubhouse in Bush Stadium. Jim Henry announced to the team that Milton had been waived. And right. all the players cheered. <laughs> as right, as opposed to the news in the opposing team's dugout at Comiskey when Milton almost fought with Lou. Uh the whole thing was a disaster. And you're right, as much as I was mad at DeRosa for just shitting the tub in the playoffs, which apparently I should be more sympathetic. It's apparently a thing that he does because he did it for the Cardinals too. But uh you know, you don't you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, and it was an overcorrection, it was an overreaction. And who knows what level the team was going on? I mean, you know, we talked about the 84 Cubs uh, compared to the 89 Cubs. The 84 Cubs were on borrowed time. So you had to win now because we're going to get old. Whereas 89 should have been the beginning of something. At 2008 kind of fell. You don't have the biggest window. You know, Lean Ramirez are young. Soriano's probably, you know, he already signed his big fat contract. So, yeah, you kind of had to, you kind of had to win now. I mean, yeah, you did have a rookie of the year in Soto. But I don't know. Offhand, I can't really think the Cubs are – obviously, over the years, they would prove not to be any kind of a robust minor league developing program. So uh, it was was veteran lady. Yeah, if you look at at the team they rolled out for game one, Soriano was a free agent signing. Kosuke was a free agent signing. Lee was a trade for the great Hesop Choi. Yeah. Aramis was a trade for the great Bobby Hill. Bobby Hill. um, Others. Kevin Hart. Right. Not that Kevin Hart, the other Kevin Hart. Um, right. Soto was their guy. Edmonds was a waiver pickup. DeRosa was a free agent signing. Yep. Terrio was their – hey, there you go. There's your homegrown. <laughs> Terrio and Soto. That was it. And then uh, Fontenot played in the game. Yep. Sean Marshall uh, was a Cub farmhand. Ryan Dempster was a free agent signing. A rehab. They picked signed him after he got Tommy John disease. Jeff Samarja pitched in game one. So Samarja came up late in September and, and pitched really well. And then he didn't, then he was gone for a few years and they made him a starter, but he was, he was effective. So uh, the, the 2008 playoff start, uh, the Cubs, here we go. They're finally, they're, they're going to do something. They're going to win. They're going to, yep. they're going to shake I mean, off last year's sweep. They're going to yep. go to the, go to, they're going to win. We the are, for the first time, we're actually not winning one out of the blue. We're going to build on it. We're playing we, the, the last year was the step here. Playing the 84 win Dodgers. The 97 wow. win Cubs against the 84 win Dodgers. Uh, first inning, no problem. Dempster walks a guy, but gets a double play. So yeah, yeah. Woo, we're fine. We got some good defense behind uh, him. Top of the second, uh, he walks Andre Ethier. Uh, we're not worried about that because it's pop up at two fly balls, and we're good. Right. The bottom of the second, DeRosa hits a two-run homer off Derek Lowe. Yep. Cubs only lead in the series, and it was all right. This is how it should be, right? Uh, now we're taking over the game. And then we get to the bottom of the we get to the top of the third, and uh, there's a foul out, and then there's uh, Derek Lowe walks because you know it's always good to walk the other team's pitcher, and then Rafael Fercal walks. Now there's two on, but that's no problem. Um, Martin flies out. Manny Ramirez, 
Oh, God, remember that. The Dodgers only made yeah. the playoffs because they picked up a ster- puffed-up steroided Manny Ramirez, and then he's about to hit a home run in this series off the fucking plate. Well, after it was over, but yeah. yeah but still, right. it was like, oh. Late, late in game two. I know. I know. Base is loaded. Um, oh, the single is two, two Terrio. So God knows what happened there. But Dempster comes through. He strikes out Andre Ethier, so we're fine. Yep. Um, doesn't walk can... anybody in the fourth. So there you oh, go. so he got – that's not the James Loney inning. So he actually oh. got the – loaded the bases. So we get to the fifth. Cubs are still right. up 2 nothing, And uh, he gets the first – he gets Derek Lowe to ground out. Doesn't walk him this time. And he walks for call. Martin flies out. Jesus then he God. walks Manny Ramirez. And then he walks Again. Andre Ethier. And then on a 1-2 pitch, he gives up a grand slam to James Loney, who probably hit Unreal. four home runs that year. Uh, then he gives up a double to Matt Kemp, and Ryan Dempster's night is done. And his line, our game one starter, the the ace, uh, goes four and two-thirds, four hits, four runs, seven walks, two strikeouts, and a home run. That's almost more, that's almost more humiliating he than Greg Maddox's 109 debut. pitches, he threw 52 balls. What a shithead. Believe me, if he was black or Hispanic, he would not be being celebrated at the uh, southeast intersection of Kinsey and Wabash. That's ridiculous. How the fuck do we forgive this guy? Now, again, uh, we haven't covered 2004, but he did a similar thing four years earlier, which pitched the Cubs out of the playoffs. But yeah. let, for the record, let it be stated that Le- Ryan Dempster, gifted with a two-run lead. LaTroy, who deserves to wear a lot of shame. True. Right, wears that shame and does not deserve. No, that. no, Dempster unscathed. He gets a gig, uh, fine, whatever. Uh, but that yeah, just in case you were unaware, people who are listening, uh, Ryan Dempster has done nothing as a player with the Cubs, but ultimately provide uh, a big proverbial kick to the balls, and we've just covered that because they did not recover from that game. Now, not going to put the whole thing on Dempster, although you, it's fair to say that that pretty much just took the wind out of the Cubs' sails. But, you know, they're professionals. They all failed. They didn't come back. They didn't fight back in that game. Um, so it just, do we want to go to the second inning of game two? I do. I do. I do. Was it all in one inning that the infield made errors? Jesus Christ. If that's, uh, did I somehow underestimate the – I don't think no. so. But it but it was pr- all pretty early on. So uh, scoreless game in the second. Andre Ethier leading off for the Dodgers. He singles to right. Um. Loney singles to shortstop again. That's a lot of that going on. So runners to first and second. But Zambrano strikes out Carlos. When you employ uh, an actual Muppet at shortstop, you're going to get yeah somebody scurrying to cover balls but not be able to throw them. And then with, uh, so with one out and runners on first and second, uh, an, another future Cub and uh, the son of uh, Three's Company uh, star Joyce DeWitt, Blake DeWitt, came up. Nice. And he hit a ground ball to Mark DeRosa. Yep. So I do blame DeRosa. Because that ends the inning. Yeah, should have been a Sorry. should have been a double play. Instead, four six three. Ethier scores. Uh DeWitt is on first and Loney's on second. Uh, yeah. Casey Blake comes up and he hits a ground ball to Derek Lee and Derek Lee no gets it. E three. So now the bases are loaded. Zabrano strikes out Chad Billingsley. So we're fine there. Uh, but then Raphael for call singles. Oh, with a bunt single to second base, scores James Loney, 
and the yeah, bases are still loaded. Russell Martin comes up, and he hits a double that scores Blake DeWitt, Casey Blake, and Rafael Furcal, and it's 5 nothing Dodgers. Kind of the ball game, kind of the series, kind of the season. Um, why are we not seeing every of the other uh, errors, by the way? I'm looking myself, because I feel like they all happened behind Carlos. Did it not matter at some point? Because I could picture Terrios. Yeah, I thought that was the deal, was that they all happened um, when Carlos so, was pitching. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, it, you know, we've proven before baseball reference doesn't always quite, even though they're. Well, it's weird because uh, they, they have four errors listed for the Cubs, but in the. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then I'm just going to describe the Terrio error. I think it was after the blood started coming. I think was, so if DeRosa's error is the first, then that makes me even more angry at DeRosa because all he had to do was make a routine double play, pick his team up, pick up, you know, his pitcher uh, and move on and win that game and make it a different series. But instead he not only can't field the grounder to start a double play, but he allows a run to score. The inning goes on, it gets worse, but the error of Terrier, I swear it happened. Maybe it's not, you said there were four errors. But it was a ball. I remember being so mad about it because it was like a little bit of uh, damage had been done, and somebody hit a chopper to shortstop. And I just remember this fucking Muppet. I know this happened. I don't know if I can you know, verify. I'm sure there might be a YouTube video. I'm going to research it if there is. But Terrio comes charging the ball and trying to be a fucking hero because that's like it just I, he tried to barehand it. Instead of just like to get a double, to try to turn some ridiculously conceived double play to the to bail, they're like, no, I feel it. Get the out. I don't know if you remember that. I guarantee you, it's one of the um, ground singles to shortstop. So it's not even technically an error because he does get an error. He gets it later in the game when Slappy Pierre hits one to him, and he throws the ball away. But not until the seventh nope. inning. That's a fielding error. It was. Uh, that's a throwing error. I'm. So it wasn't technically an error. In my mind, it was a misplay because... And Aramis got his error with Zambrano still in the game. It was a throwing error with Chad Billingsley running to first base. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, everybody should. There's no one person. I mean, Ryan Dempster, Mark DeRosa, uh, Romero, even even Zambrano. I mean, it's hard to ask a guy to to just shake it off when they keep crapping behind you. That's like well, the worst right. possible cub. Right. I remember though, I remember like watching in admiration how well he kept his cool because we all knew how Carlos was by 2008. And I remember thinking like, okay, couple of errors. He's not losing this shit. Cause he would like show up yeah. like Todd Walker. He would like show up his teammates, which not cool, but it's still funny. You know, it's just, he's emotional. And I remember like how impressed I was that Zambrano is keeping it together. <laughs> like everyone's like kind of watching, Oh, is Carlos going to explode? And he kept it together. So it wasn't on him, but, you know, everybody. It was a team effort. I mean, a team that won 97 games and they got completely pantsed by an 84-win team. Uh, it requires a lot more than than just one or two players. Team effort. So The Manny Ramirez home run off home plate was in the fifth inning off of Carlos. Uh, that made it 6 nothing. And that's the 500-footer you referenced, right. And then Matt Kemp. Uh, doubled in uh, a run off Neil Cotts. Just depressing. Cubs finally got on the board. Uh, Jim Edmonds doubled, scored Mark DeRosa, and that cut it to 7-1. Cubs are right back in it. No. Yeah. Marmel came it's in, a... and the uh, Dodgers Why had two more use... runs, and then they ended up uh, they ended up winning 10-2. So, of course, uh, it's, 
it's not just because we're Cubs fans, but of course, you know, we refuse to. We just saw a disaster, just an absolute nightmare, two game set at Wrigley. Uh, but we're not done. Hey, you know, it happened against the Cubs. You lose two, you win yep. three. I remember the aforementioned Mike Brat, bad Kermit, like really trying to rally with, with one of his articles, kind of like you did after the Bartman game where, hey, come on, we got this. It's like, hey, we're down 2 nothing. We're better. To, all you got to do is win three games. How, can you just edify me on how game three starts? Because I feel like, all right, Rich Harden, all right, you're our guy. We trade. Let's turn this around. Let, let's shock these fans of LA. And I feel like that game ended in the first inning. It was like they just quit. Like they, it just. Well, the I Cubs, don't know what the Cubs did in the top of the top first of the first thing. with two outs. Derek Lee doubled and Aramis walked. So Soto comes up with two on and two outs, and he grounds out to third. Okay. Um, Harden pitching the bottom of the first for the Cubs uh, got for call to pop out, but he gave up a double to Russell Martin. Manny singled. So runners are first and third. Strikes out Andre Ethier. He's just got to get James Loney out again, and we'll be fine. Loney doubles, scores two runs. Come yeah. down 2 nothing, and they would eventually lose 3-1. to one. Yeah. Their only just run would come uh, Daryl Ward, a uh, pinch hit oh. single in the eighth. Um Glad we didn't make it through this podcast. And then Ronnie Cedeno got to pinch run for him, and he stole second base. Wow! And he didn't get tagged. So there, in the, the eighth, the Cubs down two runs. Mark DeRosa is batting with Ronnie Cedeno at second base, but Jonathan Braxton struck him out. And in the in the top of the ninth, with the season on the line, the Cubs Terrio struck out, Kosuke grounded out to short, and Alfonso Soriano struck out to end the season. And then somebody, Gary Wood, took a bat and destroyed the water fountain in the uh, tunnel to the between the Dodgers visiting dugout and the clubhouse, flooded it, and uh, the Cubs had to pay for the repairs. Can we confirm that Kerry was the one who also bashed Sammy's boombox in Oakland? Can't. But he's always been. He's always been the the key suspect. Because I thought it was either him or brain dead Michael Barrett. Um, other thing that I never it probably occurred to me at the time, but it's an insignificant fact that has been lost through the sands of time. But you mentioned Raphael Furcal, who Discipio uh, Nation had once uh, nicknamed Furcalholic. Yep. Uh, also, the leadoff hitter a previous time in which the Cubs had played the uh, in the playoffs. He was a, the Braves' leadoff hitter in 03. That ended much better. I forgot that he was still hanging around in 08. So. Anyhow, yeah, one, just a dispiriting finish. One thing we don't know about the uh, Sammy Boombox incident, though, was there's always a possibility that Carlos punched Michael Barrett into the Boombox. <laughs> and we have ruled that out, because that could have happened. Which you could rule out is that such um, uh, impact gave Barrett brain damage, because it's pretty clear that he always had brain damage. So there was no, no harm there, but... Yeah. Um, Michael Barrett, of course, about a year and a half gone from the 08 Cubs because, you know, the Cubs kind of got lucky there because we talked about 07 when, when Zambrano punched Barrett off the team. They had no answer. And they're like trying guys like Rob, Bo- Rob Bowen. And, yeah, they had a couple of, had, uh, had a week with Rob Bowen. And, and then, you know, Coy Dolan Hill, who turned out to be like a, a cockroach. But uh, and then they they got lucky with Soto, and Soto was their guy. Well, uh, in but they got uh, you know, but Jason you know, Kendall. Jason Kendall. Yeah. Got, and we talked about that. Yeah. Captain Caveman. 
but Soto ended up being the guy, and then he was the guy there, and it's just funny how quickly that flamed out. I guess that's a tale as old as time, though. I mean, people, you know, come and go. Uh, you know, Jerome Walton, Giovanni Soto, Bob Hamlin. Remember Bob Hamlin? He was a rookie of the year for the Royals in 94. Oh, do I remember Bob Hamlin? That's my, that was uh, my Frank Schwindel comparison. That's okay. I think that's where I got reinitiated to, right? Being kind of a fat guy, or just a, he was a rookie of the years. Like, at the age he was of a like guy who had like, almost exactly the same amount of games that Frank uh, nice. thrilled Cub Nation. Hamlin had a huge run and he ended up winning rookie of the year. And that was one of the other stats which I amazed David Brown with was for seven seasons, Ken Griffey Jr. was playing in the American League and was younger than that year's rookie of the year. And one of the reasons was because Bob Hamlin and Marty Cordova yeah. towards the end of it were old rookies that helped you. Yep. But that just showed how how good, how fast Ken Gr- and Junior did not win. Well, that too, that because too. he his first season he played just enough games to be the to, not significant to, quali- to burn his rookie status. And his next year yep. he had a ridiculous year that almost won him MVP. Of course, he would have won Rookie of the Year. Right. Yeah. Shout out to my brother-in-law too. I've referenced in the past. He's an Expos fan, but he grew up in Southern Cal, a high school teammate with Bob Hamlin. Oh. But that also, that also proves that Bob Hamlin had to be an old rookie of the year in 1994 because uh, my brother-in-law is quite a bit old, or not quite, but he's five years older than me. And he was, in fact, Bob Hamlin was 26 years old, 1994. So the Frank Schwindel comparison, yeah. pretty apt. Yep. That's how, an old rookie uh, how many year. big league seasons do you think Giovanni Soto played? He played for the White Sox at the end, I remember. Um, he played a long time, didn't he? Did he not? Yeah, he played 13 seasons in the big leagues. Yeah. He was like a, he went from rookie of the year, future star, to just an ordinary, like a, he, like a Hank White. Was he an everyday catcher most of those years? Uh, no, he stopped being an everyday catcher when he left the Cubs. Uh, he got traded to the Rangers because everybody gets traded to the Rangers. Seems that way. Uh, for Jake Brigham and a player named – Later, at the 2012 deadline. That was the end of his uh, full-time, although he was the catcher for the Rangers the rest of that season. In 2010. But, but then he was in 12. And then after that, he was a he was a backup for the last, whatever that is, six years okay. of his career. So basically half and half. He was a starter. Right. And well, he needed to make good money week. as a backup catcher, and he did. Yeah, Absolutely. And right. he's if you're more- he's going to be in some ridiculous um like some celebrity home run derby thing. He's the cub that's gonna be in it. They have an alumni from these How teams. Does he and Giovanni Soto is the cub alum who's gonna be in the home run derby. Um Don't I'm sorry, what, what kind is. of look at like is is like that's crazy. Like it's a very obscure type of a player, is like Stubby Clap going to represent the Cardinals? Uh, let's see. There's a oh, it's a home run derby X. It's a global tour featuring former players, and it's only stars. The, the guys who are going to be going around the world are going to London, Seoul, and Mexico City. And the uh, there's one, two, there's four of them: uh, Adrian Gonzalez, Johnny Gomes, Giovanni Soto. And Nick Swisher. Wow, that's quite a motley crew. Yeah. So, well, Giovanni still cashing checks. Good job. Good, good hustle, Giovanni. Yeah, happy to hear that. You know, we don't, we haven't had too many rookies of the year, right? Like Curry was an exciting one. Jerome Walton was the first, I believe. Uh, 
Mark Pryor was not one. We Chris Bryant was a rookie Bryant. of the year. Yeah, we'll celebrate him when Joel we can. Walton was a rookie of the year. I mentioned him, yeah. No, he did. And yeah, and for a while, of course, the Dallas Green era, we, we had a lot of candidates, but um, Patrick, yeah, kind of a Patrick Wisdom was rookie of the year last year, wasn't he? No, he, got, not. he, he did get votes. He got votes. He was almost the Bob Hamlin rookie of the year. Um. So yeah, it's it, that's one of my takeaways from re- going over this team is that I guess I kind of forgot like how quickly Soto fell off the map. That's how strange that seemed to be. Um, you know, catchers will you know they have a limited shelf life anyway, just by nature of their playing their position. But as you said, that's really not that unusual because um, it happened to Walton. It happens to guys. Uh, a little bit of success, and uh, you know, you kind of lose your work ethic. The, uh, the fact that now the Cubs they may not have had they've, they've had a few uh, rookie of the years but they they dominate the list as far as rookies of the years who either uh, who at some point in their career played for them oh uh, like for example Ben Grieve for, for example yes Chris Bryant obviously um, Craig Kimbrell Chris Coglin oh yeah Giovanni Soto yeah um, Dontrell Willis Oops. Was Ben Grieve not the uh, 98 Rookie of the Year when Eric, Kerry Wood Eric was Hinsky. the National League? Yeah, we haven't got. Oh, Hinsky, Wills, oh Eric Hinsky. Um, yeah, and then the double in 98, Ben Grieve and Kerry Wood. Nomar. Yep. Okay. Uh, almost today, Onomo. I remember that. You know, they had him. He was at Iowa, and they, I do remember he, that. he wanted to be brought up, and they wouldn't bring him up at that moment. And then he left, and he was actually good then for somebody. I forget. Oh, Red Sox. My God, that. that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, Eric Karros? Sure, 92. That, that was during the Dodgers streak where they had – the Dodgers had every rookie of the year uh, beginning with Rick Sutcliffe in 79, uh, the aforementioned Steve Howe who refused to throw me a baseball and then blew the game. Uh, 81 uh, for the Dodgers was uh, Fernando and then Steve Sachs in 82. And then they had another era like 10 years later where – uh, Karos was the first one, then Piazza, then Mondesi, and then future Cub, Todd Hollinsworth. How'd you forget Todd Hollinsworth from the rookie of the oh, year? Oh, yeah, Cubs? I did. I zipped right by him. Todd Hollinsworth. Yeah. Um, right before, a couple yeah, we, years before Karos. I'm sorry. Hollinsworth was 96. Yep. No was more the, was he was 95. the end of there. He was the end of there. Right. So the Dodgers actually surpassed their 80s run by going five years in a row at the rookie of the year. The 90s. So Jerome Walton, Benito Santiago. 87. Uh, yeah, former yeah. Cub. Or future Cub at that point. Rick Sutcliffe. As I mentioned. Andre Dawson. Oh, that's right. Gary Matthews. Wow, I didn't know Sarge was Rookie of the Year. Does Lou Pinella count? Probably not. Well, he, he was Kansas City Rookie of the Year. Uh, 69, I think. Ken Hubs. Billy Williams. Yeah. How about the Cubs had back-to-back rookies of the year? They did. And then Hubs died after a second year. They also brought up Santo and Lou Brock around the same time. That We've mentioned that. That was a brief window over the Cubs actually had some development com- competency. But Did Orlando Cepeda ever play for the Cubs? He did not. No. Now, I think you've done, you've done good exhausting that. But it, it is exciting, like I said, when you're an actual Cub and you win Rookie of the Year because then our hopes are high and we have no idea that you're going to eat so many Doritos while you're baked over the course of the next three years that you're not even going to – like he like Gio was motivated enough 
to like continue to work as a backup catcher, but he obviously lost his edge where after winning rookie of the year, he was, you know, no longer a starter within four years. That seems, seems odd if you ask me, but whatever. It looked like he was pretty good as late as 2010. Okay. Then the uh, catcher is tough. Can you get beat up as a catcher? You do. Yeah, 2010, 17 homers, 53 RBIs, but he had uh, he had an 890 OPS. Yeah, almost uh, the same counting numbers in 11, 17 homers, 54 RBIs, but he only had 228. He only had a 310 on base. He, right. he was he was falling off the cliff. A little less lucky. It was all downhill. You look at that 80. I mean, I'm looking at it now. That 08 season. That is an absolute high mark. It's incredible. It's something worth discovering or discussing somewhere else with by other people how you can win rookie of the year and that maybe Joe Charbonneau would be his comp. Some guy that wins rookie of the year and then just can't even never even matches that OPS because he never he had an eight sixty eight OPS and never after that. He did have it. I'm sorry. My apologies. He had an eight ninety twenty. He was a better catcher than I remember, but even in twenty ten he wasn't even qualifying for a batting title, so can disregard so, it. I gotta remember this. Now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna remember it either right or wrong. So remember the infamous. Um, oh, here it is. I get pulled the box score. Um. So the infamous wild card game in um, 2014 with John Lester pitching for the A's. Yeah, when everybody ran on him. And it was because Giovanni Soto got hurt. Gio was supposed to be their catcher. Soto started the game and got hurt, and they brought Derek Der- Norris in. And when, as soon as they switched catchers, the Royals just started a running because at that point, people hadn't really figured out that you could run on Lester. It's like people yeah. hadn't noticed. Jason Stark was like the only person who noticed that he hadn't thrown to first base in like a year. Yeah, but it, teams weren't taking advantage of it. And but all of a sudden, when Soto left the game, Ned's like, "Let's start running," and the the they stole. But I but I always thought it had more to do with Lester's refusal to hold runners than anything to do with Gio Soto. So that, that's an interesting angle because I, I think of that game and I do think about how it really exposed Lester's refusal to throw to first, not knowing that Gio was actually the starting catcher and that he might have somehow mitigated that. Is what you're saying, maybe? That it was no. What I'm saying it wasn't is, like it wasn't like their game plan was to jump on Lieber from the beginning. It was that once Soto went out, then they exploited. That's right. It sounds the like. stolen bases okay. started after so, uh, Soto got hurt. So uh, it still it sounds like Derek Norris is way more suck assy than Soto. Then the issue is Lester can't hold runners yeah, on. They stole one base off off of Lester and Soto, and then they stole one, two, yeah, three, four, five, six. Six <laughs> off of Norris, and although um, they only stole three bases off of John Lester, the rest came off of Luke Gregerson, Sean Doolittle, okay, Jason Hamill. That I think is why Jason Hamill, another future former and then yeah. future Cub, right? At um, that point, he was so uh... that is why the the Derek Norris Giovanni Soto thing has always persisted is because it didn't just happen when Lester was in. Correct. Yeah. It happened after he left the game. In fact, but more. Le- it's kind of unfair for Lester because it seemed like Lester got tagged with that stigma. 
I mean, and it was certainly deserved because there was no question he did not check well, no, runners. Deserved. That's about the time then they start making a big deal. The fact that he won. Right, right, right. So, like, maybe his inability sort of gave them the motivation. Also, during that game, like, fuck it, let's just go. Like, and they just they became aggressive because that was a weird way to win games in 2014 to steal bases. Well, all of a one sudden. of the guys stealing the bases was a future Cub superstar, Terrence Gore. Who could jump over? No, I'm thinking of Joey Gathright. I was going to say jump Terrence over. Terrence Gore is the asshole who wouldn't not swing correct. at a full count. When correct, he... correct. Don't trigger me. God and damn it. I think he I would have walked and then he it. would have scored correct. and they would not have correct. lost to the Rockies. Well, he would have walked and then he would have been on third base like two pitches later. Yeah, and, and then, then he would have. We'll they, take our Cubs, chances. The Cubs right. would have tied no. the game. We know he would have tied the game. Yeah. It's all his fault. They would have won the World yeah, Series. But... And all the guys would that... still be there. That was our only playoff Joe game. Joe would still that be year. managing. Chris and yeah, Anthony yeah, and sure. Javi would still be playing that, for the Cubs. And Terrence Moore fucked it all up. Way to go, 2018, asshole. it was our only playoff game, and uh, it very much felt like uh, the twenty the 2008 playoffs, frankly. Cubs couldn't hit, and just it was very frustrating. And yeah, they hadn't hit for two months. Correct. And they had blown the game the day before against the Brewers because they couldn't hit. Yep. Well, and I, I referenced when Carl Edwards got traded. There was that game on Labor Day that turned that season. But we're not here to talk about the 2018 Cubs. We're here to go back a decade. There are some similarities. We're comparing them to the 2008 Cubs. Yeah, no, right. But I was about to go. I was about to go down the rabbit hole where Carl Edwards oh. couldn't throw strikes He's on back. Labor Day. He's a national. I know, and it propelled. It compelled me to make a comment that I'm convinced that Carl Edwards, uh, his inability to get the 30th out in the 2016 World Series always mess with his head because he had a few moments like walking you Darvish, the bases loaded in the next year's playoffs and uh, the Labor Day game, the following year that whenever is a big moment, uh, Carl couldn't do it. We didn't, you know, kind of like Ryan Dempster. So let's just double bring that analogy back because Ryan Dempster in pressure situations. And we will go again in detail when we, the wheel falls in 2004. Uh, but he had every opportunity to set the Cubs on the right course a 97-win team with a two-run lead, and he couldn't fucking throw the ball over the plate like he was paid to do. So we should wrap this up by going through the roster and enjoying some of the 2008 Cubs we haven't talked about. We did talk about Reed Johnson. Uh, this was yeah. the year of the ridiculous uh, turned over. This was the catch was it? in Washington, right? Where he, I think you're right. I think you're right. His cap got... He hit the wall so hard with the front of his hat that his bill of his cap stuck straight he got up. Scrunch cartoon style. Everybody loved Reed Johnson. I I know I this also I believe was the year that he uh, stole the grand slam from uh, Prince Fielder on Sunday Night Baseball. Oh wow, good call. You might be right. I can't verify that, but uh, I'll I'll go with we, it. We have not talked enough about the other half of the Cajun connection, uh, Mike Fontenot. Yeah, uh, Fontenot yeah. had a good year for the Cubs that year. Uh, 305, 395, 514, 909 OPS in, in uh, 119 games. Not an insignificant. I, I always kind of liked uh, Fontenot compared to Terrio, but it is also funny uh, how much uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same, that you could put um, Fontenot on top of Terrio's shoulders and still not have a full shortstop. And today you could put Nick Madrigal on top of Neil, Nico Horner's shoulders and still have maybe a full-sized middle infielder. So, but yeah, Fontenot, because the funny thing was Fontenot and Terrio, both diminutive, both middle infielders, both were teammates at LSU also. Uh, the smartest man in baseball, Ronnie Cedeno, uh played 99 games for the Cubs that year. 
Uh, we talked about Daryl Ward, who the year before had had a great year as a pinch hitter for the Cubs. He did not mm-hmm. have such a good year uh, in 08. Um, but, you know, part-time player, it's tough to put up consistent numbers. He had 260 sure. for them that year. Felix P.A. played in uh, 43 games for the grabbing his balls. Micah Hoffpower, as you said, was a late-season call-up and hit 342, 400, 534. He was clearly the best player on the team. Right, and I don't know why Lou wouldn't play him. Again, I think he hit a, he may have hit a granny in September in Shea, but uh, September was a it was a nice month for that for those Cubs. They could let well, he was playing in play. that uh, he got, he started right. that Rockies he got called game. up earlier. You're right, because he was yeah. in the he was in the middle of the big comeback. Um, Eric Patterson That's true. played 13 games before being traded uh, to the A's in the Rich Harden deal. Matt Merton, right. yeah. I noticed Merton's name when I was going through box scores that we hadn't mentioned him. Uh, he was the Cubs' leading hitter in 2006 as a his first full year. He might have been a rookie, and then continued to just try to single he was, himself. To he success. was clearly the key piece in the Rich Harden trade. It was Matt Merton, Josh Don- future. Uh, oh, it, it, I guess Josh Donaldson was rookie of the year. He was just really good. Josh Donaldson, Sean Gallagher, right. and Eric Patterson to the A's. For Chad Godin and Rich Harden. Christ. Turns out that while the uh, Indians may have thought that the Cubs didn't have enough um, to get CC Sabathia, the best player traded in either of those trades was future Indian. Uh, I think he played one stretch run for them, Josh Donaldson. They would have been better off right. to have taken the Cub deal and given the Cubs CC Sabathia, and then the Cubs, uh, he could have lost game one for them instead. Imagine if we had Josh Donaldson and Chris Archer. Or not. Don't imagine. Cubs didn't need Donaldson because they had Gio Soto, and Donaldson was still a catcher. They hadn't moved him to third yet. Got it. Got it. Do you remember Casey McGee? I remember the name. I could not have placed a year on him. One of my favorite things about MCG, capital G, E H E E, right? Yeah. It's just, it's just McGee, but it's spelled McGee. Right. Um, the Cubs took a Henry took a bunch of shit because they, I believe he was a end of spring training cut the next year, right? I'm going to look and see when the Brewers signed him here. He's another like a Schwindel Ortega wisdom no, rookie. He got lost him. right after the end of the season, around Rule Five time, and um, oh, that's too bad. He tore it up. For the Brewers in 2009, 301, 360, 499, and uh, it's like we were just giving guys away. The next year for the Brewers, he hit 23 homers, drove in 104 runs, hit 285. That's why I remember him. He was one of those frustrating guys. Yeah, one of those frustrating guys where you're not mad at your team for getting getting rid of him. You're mad at the player for like like sucking and giving nobody any evidence that you're any good and then being good after they tell you. So he they, had those they, two really good years for the Brewers and then he was terrible. Uh, he did not play in the big leagues in 2013, but in 2014 he had a research year with the, uh, I think they were still the Florida Marlins at the time. Could have been. And he won the National League Comeback Player of the Year Award. Wow. Despite hitting four homers. <laughs> Casey McGee, he won one. He drove in wow. 76 runs on four homers. Former Cub. He, like, he had a 355 on base that year and a 357 slugging. 
This is former Cub generic farmhand Casey McGee, who would go on to hit 100, have 100 RBIs and win a come, uh, yep. a comeback player of the year. That All after the Cubs released him. Unreal. Uh, Pitching-wise, the uh, we didn't talk about uh, the great Jason Marquis. Uh, he was he went eleven and nine with a four fifty three ERA. This was the was this year two of the Jason Marquis experience. Year yes, year yeah. two for sure. And he had a three year deal, and I don't think year three uh, ever happened. It didn't. He got traded to yeah. the Rockies. Oh, I remember that. He got um, so Glendon Rush and Jason Marquis came back, I believe, for opening day, right in two thousand nine. Glendon um, Rush, really? And they got booed at opening day, and it was Glendon Rush. The old, the last thing that happened to him with the Cubs was he had a, some kind of health event, like a heart attack or a stroke may have. in the weight room. And I'm like, why are we booing Glendon Rush? This just seems cruel. We've become so jaded. Maybe the Cubs traded uh, Marquis after the 2008 season for Luis Vizcaino, who played for like a week. For the yes. Cubs. Not to be confused with Aroldis Vizcaino, but yes. Uh, let's see. The bullpen, uh, Bobby Howery was in uh, year two or three, and he was not good anymore. No, he wasn't? No. In 08? He'd been really good in 07. Him and Stevie Ayer, both. Got and it. Uh, they were both pretty bad in uh, 08. Howery, 7-5 with a 5.35 ERA. Uh, Stevie Ayer. Two and zero with a seven point one five ERA. Not good. Yeah, I hated Scott. Yeah, John Lieber so came much. back to to make uh, twenty five relief appearances and one start uh, for yeah. the Cubs. That did not go well. No. And the guy we haven't talked about, um, Chad Godin, was the other guy yeah. they got in the trade for um, Rich Harden. And Chad Godin was early on with the Cubs, really good. Very good. And like keeping things going and fortifying the bullpen. Hey, I like this. He might be as valuable as Harden, who was the starter. And then uh, after just one night, uh, they come, the Cubs come back the next day, and Chad's hurt. Uh, yeah. Mysterious back injury. And um, the story would get out that uh, he was outside of a outside of a bar, and he tried to jump into a dumpster. Right. And he hurt his back. <laughs> just like one of the dumbest injuries. When he I, came I, back, I really, I really have a, a bad taste in my mouth about that. It must have happened uh, on August 29th, um, because he he was out for a month, and when he came back, it was no bueno. He yeah, he hit, sucked. Yeah, he was. He made. Five appearances in September, and his ERA was fifteen point seven five. I remember and he did not, especially make the playoff when, roster. Especially once we got wind of the rumor, how angry I was. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, I'm not saying you should wrap yourself in bubble wrap. You're making millions of dollars. Go out and enjoy life. But like, like his penchant for being a shithead it, it seemed to mess them up i mean I, it's a little thing i'm sure it's nothing but like he was pitching really well and he was you know rich harden was that was the the centerpiece of uh, of that deal but then godin was like a godin was like a an unexpected surprise and all of a sudden like, yeah, it was like a nice, just a yeah. lottery ticket like oh look at this and then we got find a out useful he, player and then we find out that he got hurt because he was just being a drunken shithead and it just gives you a bad feeling like god damn it like just 
you know, and that's not why they, I think we've pretty much nailed why they, you know, played themselves out of the playoffs right what you know right away and it rhymes with schmein krempster um because really if you want to blame one guy it's him honestly i'm not just trying to do a shtick here but it's like Chad Godin would would pitch uh seven more seasons in the big leagues and win a ring with the 2009 yankees kind of annoys me to hear that although he did not pitch in the world series by the way, I apologize. You were right. The Phillies of 2008 that knocked out the Brewers were, yeah, in fact, World I Series thought it was because that was um, – They lost to the Yankees the next year for Joe Girardi's only championship. After the, after, the last. after the Cubs got swept by the Dodgers, the Dodgers were yes. playing very well against the Phillies, and Matt Stairs – Matt Stairs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically kicked them right in the balls with that. Sorry to so arrogantly dismiss that. Now that I think about it, you're absolutely right. And then that they had the, the uh, most ridiculous World Series ever where it would not stop raining – and they yes. played in the mud, and that's when Bud Selig changed the rule now that if a World Series game, any World Series game, is suspended by rain at any point, they resume the game. Okay. You never wipe out part of a World Series game because of rain. If you if right. there's a rain delay and you can't resume that night, when you start up again, you will you start right where you left. Yeah. Because they were making the Rays and the Phillies play in mud up to their ass. In a World Series, which is pretty unprofessional. I guess we should mention, to cap it off, that 2008, although uh, our beloved did uh, fall short and frustrate us and create all kinds of heartache, um, it is interesting to note that Joe Madden became a bit of a thing by leading the Rays to the World Series. So there's a little bit of synergy there. Come home to roost within a decade, but... Yeah, you're right. The Phillies won those series in 08. It was, uh, it was 09 where they lost the Yanks. Yes. I do think that the uh, 2008 Cubs would have not been a good matchup for the. Maybe that's what your. Was your brother? Whoever was saying yeah. they weren't. Um, well, he just thought they weren't getting respected coming into the playoffs, even though they won 97 and the Dodgers won 84. And then they went out and proved oh, it. I, I think that people were. The Phillies. The Phillies were that, legit. Yeah. When, when, I remember the Phillies. To the LCS, you might yeah. be in trouble. I remember the Phillies starting to turn the ship around the previous year, and I'm like around the same time as the Cubs, but they just kind of like the Dodgers or the current Cubs. They kind of became the team, at least in that window, that we were hoping the Cubs would become. Yeah, but I don't uh, know, man. Maybe not. Maybe it's. Is this right? The 2000. I don't know. Days? They went all the way with a with a half asleep geriatric manager, and Charlie Manuel. Well, it's funny because yeah, they won the World Series that year, but that was was that before they got Cliff Lee, or was that when they it must have been the year they got uh, Cliff Lee? I'm trying to down the stretch, way. down the stretch. I think it was before they got Cliff Lee. Yeah, they, I don't because it was. I don't know it, that the Cubs they, would have faced old friend Jamie Moyer because they had Cole Hamels, who was who, who right? was Cole Hamels by then. He would he would win everything, right? He was the NLCS. Right. He, was, he was the World Series and the World absolutely hundred percent. Yep, yeah. that that I know. So they would have had to be. And, and Moyer, for his credit, in that 08 series, I believe, uh, spun. A, he got one start and he had a hell of a game. So good for him. Uh, um, rotation kind of but, dropped off after that. But you're right, Cliff Brett Lee Myers before out. he punched out his wife uh, in right. public. Uh, Adam Eaton before he, or maybe after he Wait, cut his the pitcher leg open or or the shithead a, outfielder. No, the pitcher who okay. went on the disabled list because he was trying to open a CD case with a knife and he stabbed himself in the leg. Uh, you would have gotten vintage Brad Lidge, however, uh, 195. Yes. Post Pujols homer, but he still was good. Yeah. 
Uh, Ryan Howard was kind of good that year, I guess. He had 48 homers, 146 RBIs. The all-was-wet Chase Utley, 33 homers, 104 RBIs. Yeah, it was a good team. Jeff Jenkins was an extra man for them. Oh so to Gucci. played in the 1998 Brad Brown game. Aforementioned so Matt Stairs. Another f- Tadaguchi okay. finished up his career for them. Former Oh, from the White Sox, White Sox, that guy? Star. Yeah. Well, and Sotaguchi, who was a former Cub. Okay. Yeah. Or probably future Cub at this point. Uh, Pat Hughes. Huh. Him. That's Pat. Yeah. Well, that's Sotaguchi. Yeah, we got it, Pat. It's hilarious. Wow. Cliff, by the way, Cliff Lee, 43.2 war. So according to the Harold Baines principle, Cliff Lee should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Cliff Lee was really good. He was good. He's one of those guys who, like, his, um, him and Roy Halladay both, which is ironic because they would both pitch for the Phillies eventually, were these highly touted pitchers who fell on really hard times, and it looked like they weren't going to make it. And then all of a sudden, and yet they roared did. back and then had incredible careers. So, hmm. Yeah, it's a good point that even if the Cubs didn't shit the tub against the Dodgers, you, you you hit on the head. It's the best way to summarize it. They were built to win 100 games, not built to really – I mean, maybe that's an overly trite way of putting it because how do you really build a team that can win in the playoffs but not get to the playoffs? But uh, I think whether it's the, Dodgers, the Phillies would have bounced them. But I mean, the Brewers wonder, might not have. But. You do wonder if they had actually – if they had because they tried, if they had been the team that got CeCe, how much does that change? Oh my God! He's pitching against the Dodgers one. in Game One instead of having to pitch against the Phillies, and he wins it, and you're up one zero, and yeah, the whole series yeah, flips. Yeah, yeah. And then you get Dempster in a more comfortable spot. He's a Game Two or Three starter instead of a one. Yeah. So it's all fucking. They didn't, it's all Henry's fault. He needed to get. But us he, didn't have, he didn't get it. Way to go, Jim. He didn't have. He didn't have the bullets. I don't know how much of a prospect Michael Brantley was. Well, but, but the, that's his you know, fault because he had been right. before he was a Jim. He was a farm director. Well, and he obviously underestimated. Probably Josh Donaldson. Nobody knew that Josh Donaldson would become such a great player. He was so far it. from the big leagues. You got to give. You gotta give. I've always been a proponent of the fact every every fan bitches when their team makes a trade and one of those players goes on to be really good. And I've always been a proponent that has to happen. Every once in a while, a guy you trade needs to turn out to be good, or otherwise, nobody wants any of the shit from your farm system. Right. If you're trading guys and they all suck, oh, the Braves. We right. talked at about at some how, point how teams the, are like, "I'm yeah. not trading with you." Everybody we you, get from you blows. You basically talked about how John Sherholz built a whole foundation of getting prospects Peter, that turned like out. Peter Gammons to tout every pros, right. every every Braves and, prospect pitcher was the greatest thing ever, and everybody and get it, all excited, and then they'd suck. And it wasn't just the Cubs that got uh, no, you know, bamboozled, although they did quite a bit. The but. only guy he traded away. I shouldn't say only, but like the best example Wainwright? was, um, well, yeah, Wainwright actually, but that was towards the end. Was Jason Schmidt? Oh yeah, he yeah, because he did be nothing. Pre- for the he Braves. turned out to be pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but everybody else Giants is like, who the fuck are we getting? In fact, Steve Stone famously right. said during a broadcast, "If the Braves call and offer you a pitcher, hang up." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't wrong. Yeah. He was probably Andy looking Pratt. at Micah Bowie or Joey Nation when he said it. Yeah, or Andy Pratt, or uh, uh, there. There are multiple trades, uh. <laughs> but they were famous for it. They were shipping those guys all over, and everybody kept everybody kept falling for it. Yeah. Well, but soon the Cubs are going to be in that in that. Uh, that'll be you know the Jed's going to be wheeling and dealing with all these top prospects. I mean, 
Yeah. I don't have to tell you that everybody knows the Cubs have like the top hundred prospects in baseball. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassment yeah. of riches. They're all I playing know. at Myrtle Beach somehow. I don't know. They have hundred guys on right. the roster, but they're, right. they're right. all there. Right. And in six years, woo, you're not nobody's right. gonna be able to beat the Cubs. It's gonna be like crazy. I heard like Owen Casey gets to have a juice box if he colors within the lines. It's a yeah, that's got some time to go. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we thoroughly uh, covered the 2008 Cubs. I think so. Frustrating, uh, fun. Like any one of those seasons season. that was a lot of fun until the very end, and then you look back on it like, ugh. But like the Cubs had a really so good sw- way of ruining your memories of really fun seasons. It was so much swifter. I mean, no season uh, exemplifies that more than 2003, which yep, was like the worst so fun and like so tragic at the end. Uh, this was so swift at the end. It was almost like you didn't know what hit you. And yet we spent all summer like atop the National I mean, we, League. and The 2003 Cubs, if you – we haven't done them yet, right? When um, it, We did the 2003 Cubs. Well, we're up all night. three hours long. I'm sure I said this at that point. If they had simply lost like four games to one right, to the Marlins, right, right, everyone would look back on that as like the well. Now, obviously, it would have been su- surpassed by the twenty fifteen, right, 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 no. But that would have been like the season you look back on. God, that was fun. Oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah. Remember, we beat the Braves. We won a series. We, we beat won a hundred and a hundred right, win right. Braves. Yeah. But instead, you look back on it like those fucking losers. They did it to us again. Yeah. They ruined yeah. it by winning. T- they won too too many games. Right, and they just got tainted. It's Randall Simon's much- fault. Right, Randall Simon, and he doesn't, just, hit, doesn't yeah. hit that home run, and they win games. Yeah, they right. win game, game three. four or game three, yeah, and they yep. and just then piss it away in the normal grass. fashion. We think they're amazing, but right, yeah, they basically replicated the '84 Cubs, but they could have just gone out in five; we would have been happy. But so, they had the know. they had the advantage. They would have always had the advantage over the '84 Cubs, in that they had won the first playoff Correct. series in Chicago since. What, the 17 White Sox, right? In baseball. Yeah, 17 White Sox. I didn't. I never considered that before, but you're right. I mean. Yeah. But, like, I. Nobody, I we don't. Part, nobody remembers that. Part of you almost begs for that kick to the nuts as opposed to the mouse fart that the 2008 Cubs ended the season. Yeah. It was just so dispiriting. I well, mean, I mean, after the, the Grand Slam, they never recovered. Didn't win a playoff game. They went yeah. 0 6 in the playoffs. And they hardly led. And then the, the end of the. Dynasty, I can't see me make the air quotes, went the same way. They just kind of went out with a. I know. But they obviously, they have the ultimate. At least they put one in their pocket. Would you like to look at our trophy? We actually won a trophy. So that shuts everybody up. And it should. Right. These teams didn't even win a playoff game. They didn't win a fucking thing. And I love Lou. He's one of my. Me too. My second favorite Cub manager of all time. I love that dude. I was so happy when they got him, and he was—he changed everything when he showed up, just like he was supposed to. But they just couldn't win a playoff game. No, it was yeah, it was really so disappointing that at that point in my life, I was like, I was kind of checked out for a few years. And so then, whenever the wheel, whenever the, the wheel falls, he just quit. Yeah, mom's sick, going call. home. See ya. Quaddy's in halfway, charge. Halfway through talk 2010. To the, talk to the hairless guy. I'm out of here. 2010 is the only is is one of the three seasons in which I don't really have any firsthand memories. Uh, someday the wheel's going to fall on it. We'll, I'll do my best. I'll just have to do all the talking. Yeah, that's fine. I'll be good for it's once be for a change. Mike all the time. Because we already yeah. got to beat up poor Mike with his bad season. 
Oh, 11. Yeah. Yeah. His well, one, his one his full. Glory in 10. His, his what? Yeah, right. He's his a, one Joey Malfatano season. When, very, very similar to Malfatano where the ownership was like, ah, we're go, we're leaving anyway. Go ahead and manage the exactly team next what year. It was. it was, let the new guys figure out who the real manager is. <laughs> let this, <laughs> let the. Uh, I'm not giving cat. anybody, I'm not giving anybody a multi-year contract. Let we're this, out the door. Let the creepy hairless cat manage the team. <laughs> the the Sphinx or the Lynx or whatever you, the, whatever so CME's cat or I don't know Lynx I guess that's a bald cat I don't know what they are they're, they're creepy yeah all right I will leave everybody with that perfect many of us have herpes. 